It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Morning to you and it is certainly looking like if you're planning any outdoor activities this week, go nowhere without a raincoat or a brolly with you and it's looking like summer may well and truly be over for 2019. Met Aaron are predicting a wet week ahead. Now we did have torrential rain last week. It was There was localised flooding in some areas. There was widespread power outages. We had some dreadful thunderstorms. So it's not going to be as bad this week but Met Aaron are telling us we can expect plenty of scattered showers throughout the week uh, as well as a slight dip in temperatures Nighttime temperatures are going to start to go down and it will start to feel a little bit more autumnal uh, it's not all gloom though because they're saying some of the days we'll get some decent sunshine we could even get some full dry days but uh, never always that threat of showers but nothing like the thunderstorms that we had last week actually talk, talking of the thunderstorms we are going to remember the thunderstorms from last week. In particular, we're talking with a listener who was on that plane that a lot of people were talking about at the weekend. It was a flight out of Birmingham into Cork. I think it was the Friday, some stage Friday, it was due and I think it got delayed and I'm assuming it got delayed because of the torrential weather that we were experiencing in Cork. Anyway, it eventually took off, but by God, will each and every one of the passengers on board that plane remember that flight? And kudos to the pilot and to the crew who seemingly went above and beyond the call of duty and will speak with one of the passengers. And I was just thinking, if you were any way a nervous traveller, a flight like that really could stop you flying forevermore. I mean, they say there's a less chance of you dying in a plane accident. You have more chance of dying in a car crash than a plane. But people can be very, very nervous about flights and some people will actually go, will never leave the country unless they might go by boat, but they certainly won't get on a plane. And it's a huge fear. And I know it's a fear we've we've discussed before with our slot that we do with Joe Heffernan and he talks about, you know, ways that you can overcome that fear of flying. But as I say, if you were nervous at all and you were on a plane like that that got stuck in the middle of some kind of storm activity, it must be particularly a frightening. 1850 John Paul taking your calls today. Um, phone lines are open you can also text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Now, some of the topics we're going to be addressing on the programme today. In a couple of minutes, we are going to kick off by talking about binge drinking. 
and the effect that binge drinking has, particularly on young people. And I don't know, though, whether it's this thing that young people, we were all young once, do, do, is there the sense that we're invincible? Sure, nothing's ever going to happen to us. And binge drinking has certainly become more common in recent years. And it is the amount of alcohol and the strength of alcohol that young people are drinking. And we're going to hear from a family GP who sees the effects because some of these young people end up in his surgery with the after effects of binge drinking. And then you add to that young people who maybe can't even remember what has happened because of binge drinking. You know, young girls ending up needing to get the morning after pill. Did they have sex? Maybe they didn't have sex. I think I did have sex. Was it unprotected? Yeah, I think it was unprotected. And then, of course, that can lead to all kinds of sexually transmitted diseases as well. So it's interesting to hear from a GP who actually made a really good little video a number of years ago talking about binge drinking. I think it was in 2014 and here we are in 2019. And I'm interested to hear his thoughts. Has anything changed since he made that little video talking about the effects of uh, binge drinking. And then we're going to stay on the theme of alcohol, but this time we're going to look at underage drinking and what the organisers of Timberleague Festival have done to try to stop underage drinking. Timberleague Festival runs every year in, in the pretty little village of Timberleague and it's a wonderful festival and it's a jam-packed festival and it's you know it runs for two weekends and the week in between. I mean, there's just so much on in Timberlake. It kicked off this weekend, so it's right across this week and heading towards uh, next weekend. And it is fun for all of the family from the very young to the very old. But unfortunately, in recent years, young, and we're talking about underage drinking here, uh, young people have started to, from what I can find out, hire buses and they pile onto these buses and they come from outside the League area, all descending on League. And of course, many of them fall off the buses. They do so much drinking on the buses before they even get to uh, League. So the organisers decided we need to do something about it. So they've put measures in place. I'm really interested to talk through the measures they've put in place. I know they've got involved with the local Gardaí as well. And I'd be interested to hear how the first weekend went and is it a success and actually on the whole topic of underage drinking and legal drinking as well young people you know once they hit 18 they're legally entitled to drink but it's the amount of drink they're drinking and we have the leaving cert results out tomorrow a day early it's normally on a Wednesday it's coming out a day early this uh, this year so that's going to lead to young people heading out and having you know and they're entitled to have a few drinks when they get their leaving cert results all of the leaving cert students are 18 uh, plus you know some of them may even be 19 by the time they pick up their results and they're entitled to go out and celebrate with their friends but it's to try to get the message through to them you can celebrate sensibly or you can be very stupid about your celebration and end up doing something that you really will uh, regret. And in the papers today, I'm reading that the the one local bishop, not a local bishop, the Bishop of Eltham has hit out at the underage drinking and he's actually pointing the finger at the parents. He's criticising adults who give alcohol to young people are adults who obviously go on and sell it to uh, teens. The bishop is Bishop Kevin Dorm, and he said the streets of Sligo were full of young people out having a laugh and enjoying the atmosphere. Some 
festival on in Sligo, everybody enjoying the summer festival. But he said he couldn't get over the groups of young teenagers who were openly walking around the town of Sligo with cans of beer in their hand. He added that one particular group had taken over a dilapidated building and were having an impromptu party. He said adults who should know better are clearly sourcing alcohol for minors are they selling it to them illegally and without any consideration for the consequences he said if we expect our young people to behave responsibly and safely then we have to begin by behaving uh, responsibly ourselves adults he said who purchase alcohol are give it to underage uh, drinkers. He said it is simply wrong and there will be some parents and there will be some parents listening who have gone down that route and have decided that it is better to educate their young people when it comes to alcohol. And from the age of perhaps 16, I don't think maybe younger in some households, I don't know they'll give their their young people maybe a few cans of beer, maybe they'll give them a glass of wine They do it, you know, for family occasions. They do it at Christmas. If there's a birthday on, help them celebrate and they'll give them some alcohol and they see nothing wrong with that. Well, the bishop sees something wrong in that and says, you know, the legal age is 18. And actually, there's another priest getting in on this discussion as well, a Father Bernard McGluckham. He is the he's with the Pioneer Total Absence Association so obviously he would be dead against any parent who decides it's okay for a 16 year old to have a glass of wine or to have a can of beer at home and Father Bernard was saying that it is seriously irresponsible for any adult to give any young person under the age of 18 alcohol of any kind. He's a Jesuit priest. He's just retired. He was director of the Pioneers for the last 50 years and he's worked with some 700 secondary schools in Ireland and also in America, Canada and in New Zealand. And of course, the Pioneer Total Abstinence Association, they promote abstinence amongst teenagers until the age of 18. That's the pledge. And we did, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember why the Pioneer Association came up. I think somebody suggested it for young people and I was wondering, are many young people, is it something that still happens at confirmations? Do young people still take the pledge or is it individual? It's up to individual schools. I don't know how it actually uh, operates. But the this priest who the, with the Pioneer Association was speaking ahead of the Leaving Cert celebrations and he says that the real concern was the amount of drinking that now happens among junior certs and the junior cert students are of course 15 and 16 year olds and he said he's been speaking to teachers who are concerned about these 15 and 16 year olds who are all out drinking with their junior cert results and then he made an interesting point he said in the 1970s the concern had been about teenage drinking. Then he said by the 1980s it was teenage drunkenness and now he said we're into the 1990s and it's drink and uh, drugs so it is a real real concern and while some adults and parents will say Ashford was always there you know in the 70s when I was a teenager we had a few cans of beer or we might have had some cider and sure it never did us any harm and that was the biggest concern that that parents at that stage has was that their children were getting access to a small amount of alcohol but that went on in the 80s then to this dreadful drunkenness and the start really of the binge drinking which we're going to be talking about and now we have the added problem that you mix drugs into the uh, mix. 1850 um, After 11 today we're going to be focusing on the work of the autism assistance dogs and they, they are a charity that are based here in Mallow and they train up do- dogs that work with 
children on the autism spectrum and they can change a child's life around. Now, unfortunately, there is always a huge waiting list for one of these dogs. So many families see how important these dogs are to a child living with autism and they see the changes that it can make. So they sign up straight away thinking, great, we'll get one of these dogs. But the dogs themselves, I think it's two years it takes to train one of these dogs. A lot of money goes into the training of these dogs and of course a lot of that money then has to be fundraised. So we're going to speak about the work of the Autism Assistance Dogs but we're also going to speak with a family whose daughter has autism and in, I think it was May of this year, she received her dog and she, they, so we're clearly going to hear from a family the changes that the dog has made to the little girl's life, but also the whole family, I imagine, benefits because if the child with autism is feeling calmer and they're able to go places and they're able to do things, then obviously the whole family is going to benefit. So we'll chat about that on the programme today. And we will preview a very special race day, which is going to happen, a cork race course in Mallow next Saturday. And it's a major fundraise, fundraiser for Marymount Hospice. And it is Monday. So Annalise Dressel, a nutritional therapist, will join us. Thoughts are very much with the family this morning who's getting the devastating news of a loved one having passed away in that road traffic collision in North Cork uh, this morning. Uh, it happened at New Tupot House that's on the Cork Limerick Road between Mallow and Bottlewind. I woke to this news this morning because it happened before 7am. It's uh, We're told a car and a truck were in some kind of a collision. Now the fire brigade personnel from Mallow have responded. They're still at the scene along with the ambulance uh, service and the, well, the road is closed and the diversions are expected to remain in place and if that road reopens uh, while we are on air this morning we will bring it to you but avoid that area because you could certainly expect delays and anytime there's any kind of diversion like that put in place it'll just, there there will be delays uh, this morning but just um, God help that family and what is ahead for them so we think of them uh, this morning and actually I spent the weekend I have to say thinking of the family of Nora Corinne in Malaysia and I was constantly on Twitter trying to see if there was any update was there any news hoping that at some stage I'd, I'd click on a link and to say that she'd been found and found uh, safe and well because we're now into the second week that young Nora has gone uh, missing. The police in Malaysia now have set up a helpline now why in God's name they didn't set this up at the start but anyway they've set up a helpline in the hope that some new information will uh, come. She's been now missing over a week. Hundreds of people are combing the jungle around the resort, the Dusan res- re- Resort, where they are staying. Uh, it's six, 650 kilometres south of Kuala Lumpur. And of course, the Malaysian uh, police, they have said that no missing person has ever been reported in the past decade. So this isn't something that is very typically happens in this area. Up to this, normally what has happened is hikers have got lost in in the jungle, but normally they're located within 48 hours. So they've never dealt with anything like this before. The police are investigating all angles, including reports that villagers heard the sound of a truck early in the morning when Nora uh, disappeared. And of course, her parents have always, from the minute they realised Nora wasn't in bed that morning, have always believed that she was abducted. The very fact that she is 
a special needs uh, child. She has learning uh, difficulties. She's got physical disabilities. She's is n- never been able to live independently. I don't think there was ever going to be any chance of her living independently. Independently, she's difficulty walking. She's never wandered off before. She's never been lost, and she'll obviously get very anxious and very distressed if she's separated from her uh, parents. But she has travelled before. And can I just say, I got so annoyed at the weekend when I was on Twitter. As I said, I spent a lot of time just every now and again. I think of her and I'd say a little prayer for her hoping that she'd be found safe and then I'd be on Twitter just trying to see well, what was the latest on it and there was a couple of really nasty threads and you just wonder what goes through people's mind that they they can take to Twitter the in the complete anonymity of you know they're at home and they think nothing else to do so I'll type up something nasty online and there was a number of people criticising the parents as to why they took a special needs child to Malaysia in the first place and I just got so annoyed and thought you know why shouldn't she travel the world why shouldn't the family expose her to all the beautiful sights and wonderful things that are in this wonderful world the same that you would do for a child that doesn't have special needs and by all accounts this this little girl Nora is well well travelled she has been to uh, Asia before she's been to other European uh, countries and you know they got me thinking I suppose I took it very personally because I was thinking we travel a lot with uh, Marsha our daughter we bring her because, you know, every now and again we might get a holiday away ourselves, but that's more just to recharge our own batteries. But generally speaking, all of our family holidays, we've never not included her in any of our family holidays. And we've never stopped to think, oh, that's a long haul flight. Will she not be able for that? If anything, Marcia loves to fly. So she's way better on any of the long haul flights than any of us, her parents are. But I don't, I don't see why, just because my daughter is deaf blind, that I shouldn't be exposing her to as much of this world as as I can, as as I you know can afford to do, and am able uh, to do, and the very same for this family. So I was I was really annoyed at people criticising the family. I just thought, and back off. They're going through enough as it is. Their beautiful, vulnerable daughter is missing, and you're just thinking because maybe they're doing the same thing. Maybe they're constantly on Twitter you know, anything with a hashtag to Nora's name, they're checking it to see if there's any glimmer of information. Just thought, please God, that they don't see any of these nasty, nasty comments. It's just how, how and why people can decide it's OK to say stuff about that, about people that you don't even know. If you have nothing good to say, then say nothing at all. Due to our high levels of alcohol consumption in this country, most people underestimate the amount of alcohol consumption that constitutes binge drinking. A number of years ago, Castletown Bear family doctor made a short YouTube video where he spoke about the effects that binge drinking can have, especially on young people. Dr Colin Gleeson says the problem is as bad today as it was when he first made that warning video and uh, he joins me. Good morning to you Dr Gleeson. Uh, good morning Patricia, uh, how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, the, the, I watched the video over the weekend, you made it back in 2014. How did that video come about? Um, I had a patient, a student who was doing research on some alcohol so she just asked me could I make a short video so that's what we did, you know. I didn't realise it was so far back, you know. Yeah, and she uh, and you were you were to just basically talking about the effects that you would see in your own practice. Exactly, yeah, the effects of binge drinking that we see every week, and unfortunately, things haven't changed. They certainly haven't got any better anyway, you know. 
And I suppose the real problem I see with binge drinking is people don't see it as a problem because they don't, they're not, they don't have cravings, they have days off when they're drinking and so it doesn't come up on the radar, you know, as real problem drinking. Do you know what I mean? Would you, yeah, would you ever have to send a patient to hospital because of a drinking session? Oh, we often do, you know, very frequently send patients to hospital after a weekend, particularly or over the weekend, you know. And uh, we find a lot of the injuries and accidents and all that. Most of them are alcohol related, you know. And would that be and a wake up call? I mean, if I ended up in hospital because yeah. of my drinking, I think it would, what a wake up call yeah. that would be. Unfortunately, it's not, you know. Uh, I suppose young people feel they're, <laughs> um, nothing can phase them, you know. Um, and it's not a wake up call, unfortunately, you know. Um, and it's it's getting worse, you know. Um I think the real problem as well is young people, a lot of them drink now before they go out, something we never did long ago, you know. Mm. This These uh, prinks, you know, and there's no control in that and they're swallowing down shots before heading off out for the night out. And they've already consumed an awful lot of drink, you know. Um, and we see it all the time, you know. On Mondays here, we'll see the accidents, we'll see the injuries, we'll see the fractures, we'll see the morning after pill, we'll see the SDIs, we'll see, you know, a lot of that is alcohol-related behaviour. And this binge drinking is really serious for young people, you know. Um, I mean, they don't realise it kind of affects their their mood and their judgment and their it actually affects their brains, you know. And brain cells don't recover, you know. So if you start damaging your brain cells between the age of 18 and 25, there is no recovery. Liver cells recover, but brain cells don't, you know. And uh, I, I think they just don't see the problems and they drink too much. And I think alcohol is too readily available as well, you know. Yeah, that is is that the problem that it's we've got cheap cheap problem. alcohol and exactly. cheap yeah, yeah, huge problem. I mean, you've these you know offers of six packs and uh, cheap wine and cans of cider. I mean, you can you know for ten or fifteen euro no for a week you can over overdo your weekly allowance of alcohol, you know. And I see even these alcohol pops, you know, these I know they're low level of alcohol, but alcohol pops for sale in a petrol station. I mean, you're still selling alcohol at a petrol station, you know. I was, was look. I was you know? lo- I was looking at the weekend, and it was actually in a supermarket. Um, but w- when I knew that I was going to be doing this chat with you today, I was just looking. I take a look at the spirits, and you know, you can get a, a, a like a kind of an own brand. I didn't recognise yes. the brand of vodka yeah. or gin for thirteen yeah. euro for a exactly. bottle. And I, I mean, yeah. the amount it's, of alcohol in a bottle of vodka or a bottle of gin. Yeah. And it's just so cheap and so easily available, you know. I think that's just, alcohol. like, you should not be selling alcohol in supermarkets, you know. Or if you do, the only way around it is, you know, double or triple the rate of that if you're selling alcohol directly to customers, you know. And what? lower the rate of that then, so in kind of restaurants and at a bar and things where you can control people's drinking and you're eating, you're drinking with food and this sort of thing. But buying cans of... Uh, of beer and vodka and wine so cheaply is madness, you know. Madness. And if we had minimum pricing, which we've been talking about for years, yes, you exactly. would that that though that alcohol wouldn't be on sale at that price. Exactly, exactly. But back to the medical point of view, anyone will tell you. Talk to anyone in A and E, and they'll tell you at least half the accidents that come in there are alcohol related. And certainly over the weekend, eight out of ten accidents are related to alcohol. I mean. You know, that speaks for itself, really. And know? we have the Leaving Cert results tomorrow. Uh, mm, yeah. 18 and 19-year-olds. Yeah. There'll be a lot of them out tomorrow night. 
there will be a lot of them out tomorrow night and they just drink so much. I mean, I drank myself. I still drink. I'm not against drinking. I go for one or two pints. It's grand, you know. I go to a music session out in Alhees, have one or two pints at six o'clock and come home and have my meal. But these are drinking, really loading up drinks. I think prinks, they call it, I think. Loading up the drinks before going out, you know. And the amount they drink, and it's all shots, you know. We could drink pints and you'd keel over and that'd be it, you know. But no, it's, it's a really serious issue for young people, you know, at this high volume uh, binge drinking over a short period of time your body cannot cope with that you can't cope with it mentally they can't cope with it physically you can't cope with it emotionally and uh, loads of other kind of subtle things as well like it affects their behavior their judgment is is altered you know they they might even take other drugs and stuff when they have a bit of alcohol on board and this kind of thing you know the normal safety safety alarm bell that would be in your system is turned off when you have that much booze, you know. Yeah, so, and the, the, when you talk about the young girls coming in for the morning after pill, obviously oh having yeah, having sex yeah. that they, at times they might, they, they're unsure if they even had sex. They don't, they don't even know who they had sex with. Like oh, they say, my who sex with? oh, oh my God. Who have sex with? Oh my God. I don't God. know. I said, oh my God. I know oh. I'm like the old fashioned, but geez, I'm not that old fashioned, you know. Wow, <laughs> wow. So yeah. It's pretty frightening, you know. Absolutely. So, you have the unwanted sex, you have the drugs. We've had several suicides in this or in this period uh, in the past year here, frightening me, quite a few young people. And certainly some of them are related to alcohol as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, depression, suicide, you know, kind of uh, not making the grades in school, um, kind of relationships going a bit off, uh, taking risks, all this stuff. A lot of that kind of slightly paranoid behaviour, depression, suspicion, all of them. A lot of those are made worse by alcohol as well and by their pattern of binge drinking, you know. John, you know I mean? John in Ballygurteen says we need to ban the sale of shots. There's throwing shots of pure alcohol. Uh, John, John your throat um, yeah, exactly. was, was never around in our day it's, and it's very no. common now. It's very, very common. common. And yeah, they don't even, common. if you talk to a young person, they don't even see it as, a, as, as, as drink because they'll have their drink. Oh, we'll do a round of shots. So they'll yeah. still have their G&T or their pint of beer or whatever it is. And then the shot is, is added to it. It's, 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 exactly. You know. And you can consume a lot of drink in yeah. a short period yeah. of time when you're taking shots, you know. And uh, that's the real danger. Like those shots and, and uh, uh, whiskey and vodka and all that and shots should be totally bent, you know. Okay. And, but it was certainly, you have to start with supermarkets. Okay. Listen, in supermarkets. listen, well done on that on the video. Talk, yeah. And great to talk to you. We'll let you get back okay. to the practice. Thanks a million. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 That is uh, what a lovely man. That is Dr. Colin Gleeson. And he is a family bo- doctor in Castletown Bear, a rural area like Castletown Bear. And he's He's seeing it. He's seeing the young people come in. I don't know. Actually, I might get John Paul. I might I get John Paul to check with him. I don't know if we can share that video or not because it's well worth seeing like a little three minute video that he made as part of this research piece that the students were doing where they just basically stuck a camera in front of him and said, you know, talk to us about binge drinking. And it literally is just Dr. Gleason talking about what he's seen. But some of the stories that he talks about, of, you know, there was one young lad came in with, you know, really bad sort of stomach pains and complaining. And of course, Dr. Gleason then started asking him and turned out, you know, he'd been on a massive session and suddenly, oh, I think we will be sick. You know, just made it to the sink in, in time and threw up half a pint of blood inside in the doctor's surgery. You're just thinking, oh, I, I genuinely, hand on heart, and maybe I'm just showing my age with this one, but I think if I ended up being hospitalised because of a drinking session, I think I would have to think long and hard about ever consuming alcohol again. But it seems to be now something that's almost become the norm 
for young people because getting hospitalised because of a drinking session is not, according to family doctors, uncommon. 1850-333-103 on the Pioneer Movement and this is from binge drinking to the other end of the scale somebody who decides to abstain for life Hi Patricia I'm a pioneer for 54 years and believe me I've always enjoyed myself without alcohol but what I don't like some people passing remarks about the fact that I don't drink once upon a time it used to upset me but now I just say well I'm drinking a mineral and I'm quite happy having my mineral people can be so annoying when it comes to drinking and I think that's got a lot to do with the Irish culture when it comes to drinking. You talk to any female who becomes pregnant and is off alcohol in the, you know, soon as they discover that they're pregnant, but they don't want to tell the world that they are pregnant. So they have to, if they're still out, social, they're going out socialising, they have to, I, also, I think this is bizarre, but they have to pretend that they are drinking. I have uh, my sister-in-law a couple of years ago when she was pregnant was saying she didn't want everybody to know that she was pregnant and she was going to a wedding and she said it simply just would not be people would not be able to sit at the table and see her without a drink so she would be for the full day someone would say oh you must be pregnant you must be pregnant so herself and her husband set up this pretend thing that every time she wanted a drink or needed a drink he would go to the bar or she would go to the bar and they'd get their own drinks themselves and she made it look like she was drinking a gin and tonic and she had it in a glass she spoke to the one of the bartenders to say can you make it look like it's gin and tonic so the ice and lemon went in and she got an extra large glass and put in you know two tonics into it and sipped on that for the day but I just thought isn't it ridiculous that she couldn't just say no I've decided today I don't really want to drink but the Irish culture dictates that if we're at any event like that we have to be drinking and if you're female and you're not drinking and you're of a certain age then you surely must be pregnant. The organisers of the Timolig Festival have come together with Angartha Siakona to draw up a plan to tackle underage drinking at the popular festival following concerns about the level of underage drinking at the event in previous years. Joining me to outline what's been put in place and done by one of the festival organisers, Eamon Barry. Good morning to you, Eamon. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Is, is it fair to say that the biggest problem your festival has had, it's the busloads of young people who arrive in the village already drunk? Yeah, I suppose that's been a big problem in previous years. Um, we didn't know the numbers of buses coming in, I suppose, to the village, so that was an issue for us. So that was that was one of our main problems that we needed to tackle, really. Because anyone can book can book a bus and fill it up and send it to Timmy League. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And do do the buses come from all over West Cork, or, or is it further afield? West Cork and beyond, I suppose, yeah. Is We've it? had buses from kind of the other side of Cork City, East Cork and things like that as well coming coming to the village. So what plan have you put in place this year with Angarda Siakona? So I suppose we set about last year to, to put the plan in place. That was the first year, really, we put the plan in place. Um, and basically it was the upper level of security to, to a much higher level than what was probably needed for the for the size of the festival. But we really, really wanted to tackle this problem um, head on. So I suppose, yeah, we've... we've up to, I suppose, over 100 security personnel on, on duty each night there now this year. We ran the same plan this year as we ran last year, um, just to, to, to get on top of it. And the Gardaí, have they a role? I mean, to, can they get on the buses and see what's going on on these buses? Absolutely. Once once the buses arrive in Timberlake, they're met, they're met by the Gardaí and, and their paid security personnel. Um, and they're, they're basically checking for, for drinking on buses and things like that. Um, so they're, they're checking every person as they're coming off the bus as well. For age, for proof of age. 
And what about the bus companies, uh, Eamon? Do, do they have a role or in, can you contact bus companies to say, well, who's hiring buses? Yeah, look, we, we put a plan in place and there's nothing well, stopping us from ringing up a bus company to find, as organisers to find out if they're bringing a bus to the league. So we have that plan in place and we do that. And in fairness, bus companies are always, always up front and tell us what they have coming to the village. And that's very important for us because that gives us an idea. We, we can plan for that then. Yeah, I suppose it's interesting. Yeah, bus, a bus company is in business to hire out buses. It's, it isn't the bus company's job. And, and that's it, exactly. And like, we have no problem. Bus companies bringing people to Tim League and we welcome it because, you know, we, the, I suppose this is a two-part plan. So plan one was to stop the underage coming and part two of that then is to get the, the people who was meant for the over-18 yeah. back into the village. So we welcome them into the village um, as long as it's the proper clientele that they're bringing into us. And I mean, the parents of these young people, I mean, they also need to check what their young people are getting up to when they're, if somebody's saying, Mammy, I'm going on the bus to Tim League, I'll, I'll see you later. You need to check what they're doing on the bus. Absolutely. Look, it's happened so many times. I spoke to underage people, I suppose, over the weekend. And, you know, there's 16-year-olds coming down who maybe aren't getting a bus home until 2am in the morning. So look, that's the parents' responsibility at the end of the day. We've no problem again. We've got amusement on, fun fairs on for, for the under-18s. And they're welcome to come in, but like they finish up kind of before 12 each night. So it's, I think it's the parents' responsibility to make sure that they have a, a way home before 12 at night. Yeah, and 16-year-olds really, should they be unsupervised? You know, parents need to really stop and, and think about the amount of freedom that they're giving to uh, young people, um, for sure. The festival opened, uh, Eamon, on a Friday. How did the first weekend go? Open on Friday, we had a super weekend. As I say, look, the plan was there and it worked again. Um, biggest crowd in a long time on, on a Sunday night for the fancy dress last night. Which was super. It was great to see it. That's what it's about. That's what we want. It's a family fun festival. Um, so that's what we're trying. We want to try to promote that as much as we can at the moment. And we have a great lineup for the week ahead as well, like um, on events there. We have Cleona Hagen on Thursday night coming. And on uh, Saturday night, we have Gerald Heron with the Midnight Suns. And then Sunday night we'll be closing with Pet Fits as well. But there's yeah. loads of events. There's a very full programme of activities during the day for kids and things like, like that as well. Yeah, people can check it out online. It is, it's, it's a jam-packed festival. Because, I mean, a lot of festivals will run for one weekend. You're one of the few festivals that, you know, you incorporate two weekends and the week in between. Yeah, look, it's a 10-day event. Um, there's an awful lot of planning goes in. In fairness, there's, there's the volunteerism in, within the community is massive and only for that it wouldn't happen really you know? it's a very very big event to organise and, and keep going for that long But it's unfair that as organisers you have to fork out for a hundred private security Yeah well look I, well, we have 44 I suppose private security and uh, we have probably up to 50 of our own volunteers and then on any given night there's, there could be up to 15 guardian on duty also but look that's part of the society we're dealing with and we, we're, at least we're tackling the problem head on. Yeah. We're, we're there to clean up what, what was just built up over a number of years and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. Well done, well done. And the one thing, I, you know, you're not ignoring the problem. You, you know, there's others would, would try and say, oh, it's not happening, it's not happening in our village. Whereas you've always been honest about we have an issue, we have a problem, let's try and sort it. So, I mean, credit to all the organisers uh, for, for that. By the way, insurance, have you been... We've been constantly talking about insurance, particularly insurance for festivals and local community groups uh, this year. Have you been do, Have you been okay or has your insurance premium gone up? 
Yeah, no, we've been okay, Angela. It went up slightly this year, but like we sit down at the start of the year and we talk to them, and we've we've a very very thorough uh, risk assessment and safety plan in place, and they're obviously very happy to see that. Then, um, so once we can we can they can see that we're doing what we can to prevent anything. Um, then that helps our case, I suppose, really, you know. Yeah. We have the control measures in place to deal with these things. And you can only do that because of all of the volunteers. Absolutely, 100%, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, it's great to see other communities like local towns to us have come, have joined kind of in on this as well. We started off the Zero Tolerance campaign last year and next thing we saw it being rolled out in other towns and things, which is brilliant. And like oh. the Gardaí have been very, very helpful to us in, in, in getting that off the road. Yeah, because I know they had a similar clampdown for, because Band and Music Festival, they had sort of similar issues to what you were having in Timmy League. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And it seems to have worked there as well a bit this year. You know, it's, it's a couple of years. It's not going to happen overnight. We'll have to just work on it for a couple of years and then we'll, you know, we'll get back to what we want to be a family festival. Yeah, and uh, parents in the meantime start checking out what your sons and daughters are doing because there's, there's no there's no nighttime event other than any of the music events. None of those music events that would be going on after midnight, there's none of those aimed at under 18, Simon. None of them, no, no, absolutely. The amusements, as I say, close before 12 um, and that's, that's kind of when a parent should be thinking about picking up, picking up their under 18-year-olds. Okay. All right, listen, uh, enjoy the rest of the Timmy League Festival, Eamon, and thanks a million for joining us on the programme today. Thank you very much, Richard. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Okay. Eamon Barry there, one of the organisers for the Timmy League uh, Festival on this uh, week. I meant to mention earlier about a water. There's a problem with water in parts of North Cork today, and this was down to a fire. It caused damage to the water supply system in Fremont. The fire broke out at about three o'clock yesterday afternoon and resulted in damage to critical equipment producing water for the Allo Regional Scheme in North Cork. Irish Water and Cork County Council are working now with specialists to assess the impact and the extent of the works needed to safely restore water production. Storage in the reservoirs expected to be depleted this morning if they're not already gone. And there's about three and a half thousand people affected by this. The main areas are obviously Fremont itself, Milford, Liscarroll, Dromina and the surrounding areas. And uh, the last we heard from Irish Water, they are transporting reserves to the reservoir. So they're going to try and even though the reservoir is expected to be depleted this morning, they're going to try and top up the uh, reservoirs and they will update us. But that's a problem because it was a fire that caused the damage in the to the equipment that's going to take longer than normal that's not like your normal burst pipe that needs to be fixed so we can expect the water delays and outages in that area I imagine for some time yet we're talking about underage drinking and parental responsibility and do you know where your young people are getting their alcohol from a Douglas sister said I had a small bottle of vodka under the sink one day I found it was empty still I don't suppose holy water will do them any harm says a uh, Douglas uh, listener. Thank you for that. 1850 John Paul continues to take your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Simon Celebrity sees he's going to join us in studio in the next hour. What are we up to? €2,400. Two of the three C's have been guessed. We've only got one more to go. We're getting very close to giving that money away. Could we do it on this programme? 
your chance to win €2,400 will open the phone lines at about 20 past 11 uh, today and we're also going to speak about the work of the autism assistance dogs and speak with a family whose child recently received one of these very special dogs Martina O'Donoghue Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours Join me Martina O'Donoghue every weekday from 4 to 7 C103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay Phone and text lines are currently closed I've had an email in asking me to wish happy 50th wedding anniversary It's an amazing achievement isn't it to be married 50 years Liz and John Keane happy anniversary guys Kath, Hannah Andrew and the great grandchildren Max and Jack from Birmingham were on to us via email to wish you all the best on your special day Liz and John Keane I just don't know where in Cork Liz and John are but hopefully they're listening to us and they're having a wonderful 50th uh, wedding anniversary 1850 can I just say is John Paul has spotted a tweet and it's a kind of a tweet and it's a screen grab rather than a retweet of something that we put up here on C103 last week that you don't really want it's by Katie Hopkins Casey Hopkins people will know I'm sure in case you don't she is the British far right activist she's a kind of a nasty piece of work some of the things that this woman tweets about kind of tying in with when I said earlier if you have nothing good to say then say nothing at all would be very applicable to this lady she's found a great ally in Donald Trump who regularly regularly retweets her social media uh, posts and she has a deep hatred for any kind of anyone who isn't white and British really. She doesn't want any immigrants into her country. She doesn't like fat people either. She's a huge issue around fat people. She did last year, I think it was that, no, 2017, do you remember that we had the awful bombings in the Manchester Arena, the Ariel Grande uh, concert? After that, she compared migrants to cockroaches and she called for a final solution. There were the words to use, a final solution uh, to Muslims. And I remember because of that particular tweet, she had, she had to leave her job. She at the time was working in the radio station LBC and the final solution remark was, was a remark too far. I'm slow to call her a journalist because she, 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 her, she rose to fame with the, in The Apprentice. You know, the Alan Sugar, the BBC programme, The Apprentice. That's where Katie Hopkins first got any kind of media publicity. And then out of that, she went on to become a commentator and... Uh, she writes for Ver. Well, she. Well, I don't know if she's still. Or what does any newspaper touch her at the moment? But she's more now. You will see her. She has, she's done various TV programs. She was the one. Well, she did one. I thought good TV program, even though it was all to do with fat shaming. But she put on. She ate and ate and ate and ate and ate and put on. I think it was four stone and weight. And she wanted to prove that uh, fat people basically are lazy, and that if you sit down and do nothing and eat, you're going to become fat. And then she second half of the show was her losing the weight she went out and she ran and ate a proper diet and she lost weight but some of the nasty things she said at the time to fat people were absolutely horrible she, so she has had a couple of her own television programmes but she's probably best known at the moment for her tweets and lo and behold and I take it this was just this morning she has tweeted about the Riverside Park Hotel in McCroom and the story that we spoke about last week on the programme how local people in McCroom are concerned because the hotel has closed 
and there's talk and speculation locally that it is going to be used for asylum seekers. And she tweeted this morning while taking a screen grab from the tweet we put up on C103, our Twitter page. And also she's got a screen grab from the Riverside Park Hotel showing that, sorry, not, not available as if she tried to book a room in the Riverside Park Hotel to show that it's closed. And she she has tweeted, are the, in inverted commas, new Irish moving into McCroom? Closure of popular hotels suggests provision of new emergency asylum accommodation by stealth to bypass input from locals. The face of Ireland is changing fast. Full stop. Impose diversity. Stop. Uh, stand by. And she puts hashtag uh, McCroom. So it is, you know, normally when we get any of our tweets retreated, we're normally quite happy with it or if we get screen grabs, particularly by famous people, but that's certainly one retweet and a screen grab I wouldn't be happy about. I wouldn't want to be in any way associated with anything that that vile woman has to say but there's not a lot we can do about it. 1850 By the way, somebody's been on to say that there is a Shih Tzu dog playing with the traffic on Main Street in Formoy this morning. It's near the co-op slash Circle K area so if you're missing a Shih Tzu I would head to that general area please in Formoy. This is on people who decide not to drink, not necessarily pioneers, but people who decide for whatever reason that they don't want to drink, maybe on a particular night out they don't want to drink. Mike from Bantry says, Patricia, I gave a workmate a lift to a disco. I was driving. One of the guys asked me if I wanted a drink and I said, yeah, thanks very much. I'll have a glass of orange juice. And what did he do? He put a vodka into the orange. He knew I was driving. I thought that was a really nasty trick. Goodness me. I take it she weren't very friendly with him for very long, and I'm assu- and with vodka, if you put in the full bottle of our full bottle of mineral, you wouldn't really taste it, would you? You know that's a really stupid thing to do as well. You could put somebody, somebody without and could drink it, not realizing there was alcohol uh, in it. Just now, it's a queer as folk. When I was talking about people saying unkind things, Mary says, Patricia, why do people say things that they should not say? I've always wondered that myself. But when you're in the midst of, particularly of a situation like Nora Curran's family finds herself in uh, Malaysia, where people just not stop and have a bit of sympathy for this poor family. Uh, what that family are going through at the moment is its just shocking. It's ridiculous to think that anybody could say anything nasty about them. Anyone with special needs kids live with silly statements uh, all too often. But these parents are the best people ever and they deserve our admiration and not our uh, ignorance, says uh, Mary. Thank you for that. Uh, and you're right, I, think, I do think parents with special needs kids or kids that just are anyway a little bit different have to, at the best of times, have to put up with a lot of stuff that they don't need to be putting up with like that. And, and it is, Mary's right, it is complete and utter ignorance. I was listening to a gentleman who was talking about his little girl who was very, very severely burnt as a toddler. So she's growing up with uh, facial disfigurement and obviously a huge part of her body um, is has burn marks uh, on it, but in particular her face. So she said various skin grafts, but she lived facially dis- disfigured for the rest of her life. And he was talking about some of the, I won't say nasty, because I don't think people, you would like to think people didn't mean to be nasty, but stupid, ignorant things that people have said and done to them. I mean, he, for example, he said one day they were in a public swimming pool and his little girl was swimming away. And she was only about four at the time. And 
and she's at the age where she doesn't didn't realise that she's any different to anybody else. And they one of the lifeguards called them over to ask to say, "We're sorry, you're going to have to leave the um, the swimming pool because your daughter is frightening some of the other children." And they've had complaints and they, you know, said, we'll give you your money back, but you're going to have to leave. And I just thought, oh, my God, if it's not bad enough what the family are facing with that little girl without that, that to happen. And then he said uh, one day somebody asked him while the child was there what had happened. And he said, you know, he openly talks to people and will say what has happened. And if children stare at her, as other little children will do, he'll engage the child in a conversation and will say, oh, this is my daughter and she was very badly burnt and this is her name and what's your name? You know, just talk. They said it's it's the way it's adults who stare and then look away or, you know, or even when you do catch them staring, still stare. But he said one day he was in a shop and somebody asked him, what, you know, what, what, what's wrong? What happened to your little one? And he started saying she was in a very bad fire, whatever. And this adult turned around and said, well, you know, aren't you lucky really that you never have to buy Halloween masks at Halloween? You can just bring her out and she's, her face is scary enough. And thought it was a kind of a funny, flippant, I mean, hilarious. Ah, oh, how I would not want to have swung for the person that would say that while the little girl was present just shocking yeah but now it's so queer now it's so queer as uh, folk and thank you to somebody there's no name on this just wanting to remember Jack Downey's family in Clomel and Tipperary and what they went through at the weekend because their young Jack was buried I was talking to some of my own family in, in Clonmel who would have been at the funeral and they said yeah it was uh, hugely emotional and the whole town has been affected by young Jack Downey's death, which is only a week ago today that the life support machine was switched off because it was actually it was when we were on air, wasn't it? We got the news that he had uh, passed away. And of course, we'll wait now for the autopsy uh, report. And there's lots of rumours going around about exactly what did he take and how much he took. And But, you know, listen, that's all speculation at the moment and that poor family. And remember, Jack was an only child uh, to Johnny and uh, Elaine Downey. And they now try to start their lives and pick up the pieces in a world that will never ever be the same again for them so thank you uh, to people who are remembering them today as well. 1850 John Paul takes your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs A cabinet maker slash kitchen fit- fitter is wonderful for the Bandon area and also a part-time kitchen designer required Cool More Foods they are currently looking for full-time general operatives. A person wanted to look after two children in their own home after school, please. It'll be between 3 and 5.30, Monday to Friday, in the Canturk area. And full and part-time store assistance required for the fixed line depot that's at Quartertown Industrial Estate. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Simon's Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash on C103. And himself is in with us. Uh, how are you? How are you doing? Hey, okay, you? I gotta now. I gotta play this. See, see, and see. It's getting exciting. Uh, now. It is getting exciting. And now we need eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Tell me what happened earlier this morning. Earlier this morning, uh, we had a chap on. Uh, his name was Fred. I gave a clue, which I thought was a really cryptic, difficult clue, and Fred was on the ball. Ah, <laughs> like straight okay. away. So t- we have two of the three. See, see, and see. So we're missing one. 
It seems that many people have now have two, yeah. Okay, and we're at 2,400 mm. euro. And I can see all the phone lines are ringing. So it's very different now as we as we predicted was going to happen <laughs> once. There's game playing going on here, there isn't is, there? There is. Isn't there? There's people there who actually who reckon they know. So you have the hardworking uh, contestants okay. thinking about it, you know, having a real listen every show, every day. Trying to, trying to listen to the wrong guesses, trying to trying to make a shortlist of who it might be. And then you have the ones who are ringing up now saying, well, I've let them do all the hard work. Uh, and now uh, I'm going to ring up my guess. Okay, all right, let, let's hear them again. C. C and C. Okay, are we saying who the who's who's the two that's been guessed? Let's just see how we get on for okay. now. Okay, oh, we're, 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 okay yeah. we don't give that out yet, okay. Well, we'll but there see. is one, and we, are we giving, so you gave, what was the clue? Just remind, without giving the answer, just remind us of the clue you gave. The clue we gave this morning was what goes up must come down. Okay, that was the clue. And was that for that for was that for the male or the female voice? That was for the female the voice. The female voice. C. C and C. I'm not. I'm not really. Are you good at cryptic crossword puzzles? Awful. Awful. Terrible. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let me go to. Uh, I think this is the bowl, Fred. Fred in Ballyfalan. That's me. Oh, oh, okay. Back. This is the bowl, Fred, who got the what goes up must come down clue. Yeah. Okay. All right. Man, give us. Fred. Okay, Fred. Give us your three answers. Um, Sandra Bullock, uh, Mikey Graham, and Killian Murphy. Over to you. Fred's had a bit of a a, a boy's own thread going through his guesses this morning. I you, do. I you're do. you're way off, Fred. Oh no! Uh, no. <laughs> but listen, good man. Back to the drawing board, Fred. Thank you for that. Let me go to Margaret. Is in Dunman Way. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. Okay, you think you 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 know there's two of the three. You have the definite two, have you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right, let me play it again. When we go, here we go. C. C and C. Okay, Margaret, who are the three yeah. celebrity Cs? Sandra Bullock, David Walliams and Killian Murphy. Okay. Margaret? Oh. Two out of three. Oh! <laughs> You're delighted with that. You, he'd make a great poker player. I thought you had it there by his reaction. Thank you. Try again, Margaret. Right. Thank you for that. And let me go to Maureen is in Silver Springs. Good morning, Maureen. Morning, uh, Patricia. How are you today? Good, thank you. Could do with 2,400 euro? I could do with it, yes. C. C and C. Who are those three Cs? Sandra Bullock, Robbie Williams and Cillian Murphy. Maureen? Yeah. You got two. Ah, okay. Good though, good guessing. Good guesses, well done. Thank you for that. Okay, now what happens now? Remind me again. Uh, Well, (laughs) okay, we play with Nick after one. Okay. uh, And after three. And if we don't have a winner by then, we'll go drive time as well. And we're adding 100 quid in every single day uh, until we get a winner. And as you can hear, we've got two out of three, so it won't okay. be and long I, going. And I think everyone at this stage knows who the, who the two are, so we're missing the, the other man. The other, let me listen again. C. C and C. This is it, the hardest competition that you've ever come up with. Okay, <laughs> Simon Celebrity Seas. Thank you, Simon, for your Celebrity Seas. We'll leave you back to the day job. You're welcome. And uh, we'll talk with uh, Simon again tomorrow. And yeah. you'll, hear, you'll hear Simon on again with uh, Nick this afternoon and uh, with Martina. And as I say, another €100, euro, but it's a €2,400. That's, that's what you can win on this. Thousands of you tune in to C103 every day. Now you can win thousands of euros. Thousands of euros. To say thank you for listening to C103, Simon's Celebrity Seas will now play across the entire day. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. Tune in to win weekdays from 6am on C103.
Now, for the last uh, five years, Woody's have been raising much needed funds for very worthy children's charities. And this year, one of their chosen charities is Autism Assistance Dogs, which is based in Mallow. To talk to us about the work of this charity, I'm joined by CEO and Training Services Manager at uh, AADI. And that's Nuala Geraghty. And in a moment, we're also going to talk with a family about the difference that an assistance dog has made to their little girl's life. But uh, Nuala joins me. Good morning to you, Nuala. Good morning. And, and, and you are very welcome. I suppose, try as best you can to outline how does an assistance dog help a child with autism? So the main thing would be safety. So what happens is the child wears a belt and there's a link goes to the dog's jacket. So um, that keeps them safe. There's a handle on the back of the jacket that the child can hold on to and the parent would hold on to the lead. So when you're out in a public environment, going to the shops, going to the park, going anywhere, um, this means the child is completely safe and can't run off. A lot of children with autism have no sense of danger. Um, So they might try to run across the road um, or, you know, the parents might always have to hold on to the hand then. So the dog keeps them completely safe. And also it helps to reduce their anxieties. So they're able to go again to a lot more places than they would have been able to before getting the dog. So does the dog physically, if the child went to run, would the dog just sort of sit and stop the child running? Is is that what happens? Yeah, so that's what we train the dog to do. So it acts as an anchor. So if the child was to run, um, it just gives the parent that split second to hold on to the the attachment strap to stop them running. But what we find is is that the children actually stop running. So once they they know that they're safe and they're with the dog, they actually don't. They they stop stop running. Yeah, and and there is this... Because I've I've spoken with families in in the past and I've met families out with, with an autism assistance dog. It's... It makes the child calm for some reason. Yeah, I think I think as well because there's no demand from the dog to the child. So quite often, I suppose, as parents, you might be saying to the child, hold my hand, do this. And the, ch- the mother would also, the father even, would also have anxieties holding on to the child, trying to keep them safe. So I think it just gets rid of all of that with all the family members so that then um, that helps to reduce the child's um, anxiety because nobody's making a demand of them the yeah, parent parent yeah. gives the command to the dog now so it's asking the dog to go left or right straight on and suddenly it's taking all that pressure away from the child so I yeah. think that's one of the reasons why it helps as well Okay is there is there a special breed of dog that you, that you use Nula? So we use them mainly Labradors Golden okay. Retrievers and then we've started our own breeding scheme so we when we breed our own we tend to cross them so we cross the Labrador and the Golden Retriever just to get the best uh, it's temper. a big dog yeah big dogs all big dogs yeah. um, they have to be for height wise obviously to be able to sort of anchor the child if need be as well and the child holds onto the handle on the back of them so yeah all big all big breeds now the cost of training Cost, yeah, that's one of the one of the big things because it takes um, two years and twenty two thousand um, to train each dog. So that can be starting from breeding all the way through to um, obviously you have to go through. We we started breeding our own, so that's obviously um, we have to health test all the females, make sure um, they're suitable for breeding, that they have the suitable temperament. 
Um, then we place the puppies at eight weeks of age with our volunteer foster families who literally do all the hard work bringing up the puppies, house yeah. training and yeah. everything. <laughs> That's a tough job. A tough <laughs> job, yeah. I like. I have them for a couple of days and I hand them over. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Cute puppy. And how long do they stay with the, with so the, whole, the volunteer families? They'd be with them for around about um, 12 months okay. and then they, they start their official training after that. So That's that good be, dedication on behalf of those families, isn't uh, it as well? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We couldn't do it without them. Do you know, they put a lot of time in effort into raising and are they the in the north cork area or are they uh, so they? in the monster monster area region, okay monster region, all right yeah. and then do, do you find that a family will come back and one pop out one pop in yeah yeah oh, and then they yeah. start all over again <laughs> start all over well again. done well done they're, they're they really are fantastic people Absolutely. now demand for your service yeah. uh, Nula. Yeah so since starting nine years ago the the demand has been absolutely massive and we just literally can't keep up. We closed our waiting list now um, four years ago but we literally would have 10 phone calls emails a day looking for people to get onto the waiting list so you know obviously that's part, obviously part of our growth strategy. We want to grow to be able to supply more dogs and hopefully at some point be able to match the demand for the dogs. Um, Must be heartbreaking because you'll hear the stories from families when they contact you as to why they need a dog and you know that this dog could make a difference to this child. Yeah, absolutely. Like every day you're answering the phone to um, somebody looking for a dog because the child has just run across the road and, you know, might have nearly got knocked over or run out of a shop or something like that. So, yeah, to listen to that every day, not to be able to... To, to offer any help but you know at this time it, it, it can be quite difficult How many dogs a year would you train? So we train between 10 and 12 um, okay. a year so yeah we want to we want to grow that we'll to, to, to Okay and, and we want to um, just to get a feel of what it is like for a family who've received one of your dogs and I'm joined on the line by uh, Sinead Muldowney um, Good Hi. morning to you Sinead Good morning, how are you? I, I, I'm very well. Now, it was your Good. daughter, Ruby, who received yes. her dog just in May of this year. So it's all it's all relatively new uh, to you. So I suppose, tell me a little bit about um, Ruby first. When was she diagnosed with autism and how has autism affected Ruby? Well, she was diagnosed at the age of two and a half, which is quite young. Um, and, you know, she's had an awful lot of issues because she also had a genetic condition diagnosed six months after that. So she's been through a few hoops. Um, she just basically had sensory issues, really, and low muscle tone, um, out walking, she'd have meltdowns. And just very stressful, really, as a family when you're going out. So, um, you know, it was it, it was tough going. So when I was doing my research after we got diagnosed, um, I, we came across the website and we put our names down. Um, but she was three at the time, so you know, we waited a long time, <laughs> as you were discussing there at NULA, yeah. um, for Chip, and we were just absolutely delighted then when we got called to say... Um, How many years did you wait? Six and a bit. Ah, uh, yeah, OK. Yeah. Uh, and all of that time, you realised a dog would make a difference? Well, yeah, she's, she's, she's so into animals for a start anyway. She really does love them, um, and he's such a great kind of anchor for her. At the minute, like, you know, um, if we're out and about, um, she kind of stand beside him and she'd be rubbing his ears or yeah. rubbing his fur or whatever it is. You know, it takes like the anxiousness of her, you know, in, in the areas where there's crowds and there's noise and stuff like that, which, you know, we don't really understand really, you know, uh, headphones and all that are fine as well. But uh, it's just, I suppose, and the other people kind of buzzing around her, they kind of set her off as well. So he's he's kind of there with her all the time. So she's, she's used to him now at this stage now. Um, and did it take, did it take, I mean, from when you, when you, Chip first came to live with you, did it take long for that bond? It sounds like they're, Ruby and Chip are really bonding. 
Well, funnily enough, when, when Nuala first came to, came to us, um, she was in our, our sitting room, we were having a chat, and then all of a sudden, because Nuala was new to our kind of routine, Ruby kind of took herself off to her room, and within a few minutes, he actually got up, and he went down, and he sat down beside her in her room, so we, sorry, I'm upset. No, I know, I know. Yeah. So literally from that yeah, from great. that first day. Yeah, yeah. yeah really. So. And, well, you know, obviously this is going to keep Ruby safe and that's what it's all Absolutely. about. But yeah. it's also letting you do things with Ruby. That we can bra- function and relax. Yeah. Exactly. So you, she's, she's kind of happy kind of toddling along with him. She's either attached if she, if, if it's a new place and she's not quite sure of it, we kind of attach her and she'll hold on to the handle and she'll walk, no problem. But if it's a familiar place, she doesn't necessarily need to be attached all the time, but she holds on to his handle. So she's kind of happy bouncing in and out of that. And we kind of just walk behind them. So my husband may take the lead with Chip and she'll uh, be attached or not attached. And then the rest of the family, we have another two kids, we'll kind of walk behind and just kind of keep her kind of in motion. And it's great because we can kind of go from A to B and there's no meltdowns, there's no problems or anything like that. So when she's comfortable, so that's really what it's all about. And I'm assuming from that, the whole family has benefited from Chip's Absolutely. arrival. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. He's great. Like, and even that, even when he's not working, he's a great dog. I mean, they have great fun. All three of them, you know, playing ball outside. Great. You know, he's really, he's, he's so obedient and so good and he's and when he when he wants to stop her he wants to play with them you know he'll he'll do that and they'll kind of they just kind of you know it's a great mess mesh between yeah. them he, he can lie down and they're happy to lie down beside him and he lets them do that and you know it's, it's, he's, he's so he's a he's dog. a family pet as well as a working dog he is of course but sure, he's yeah. a dog as well so he needs his downtime as well so he enjoys that too so it's great and he has his, um, his three rooms and you know, um, and he's, he's but he's always on the lookout for her. We were in Silver Strand there about a week and a half ago, and she was in the water. He was working, and he was just focused on her, watching her jump in and out of the waves. Just you know, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's like a sixth sense that they yeah, have. Yeah, you know? it's it's the tra- it's the training. It's um, it is, I, I bring um, and um, Nula yeah. is here uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, listening to you, Sinead. Uh, Nula, how do you train a dog to react like that? Yeah, well, I suppose some of the dogs have would have a natural instinct anyway. But yeah, it takes. I suppose the two years of training would would also like help that and consistency in the training as well. Um, so and and obviously we're looking for dogs then that that don't have like high levels of, you know, dog distraction, scent distraction. So you're out on the street every day. So you're taking them into public places as well, getting them used to being out and about in all the different environments. So they just get used to used to being in all them places. Um, and then the training obviously would be, you know, quite quite a, quite a lot of training then goes into them over the over the five months once they come in. But it's just the consistency and just keep going yeah. over it. Positive positive training as well. Do you know we do everything using treats and rewards so that they want to do it, that they enjoy yeah. doing it yeah. and that as well. And Sinead, do you get reaction? And is, Sinead, is Ruby getting a reaction when you go out and about because Absolutely. of Chip? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's more kind of, it's, it's more obvious now as well. Lots of people, and you can hear little conversations going as we walk by. You know, a mum would be talking to a, you know, a daughter or a son and saying, no, you can't touch the dog, he's working. And yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Because there's still the odd people who come in and they think, oh, he's a dog, I love dogs, and try to come over and pet him. And you kind of go, no, please don't do that because you're distracting him, which means that if he's turning away, then he's kind of taking his focus off what he's supposed to do. And also he might pull Ruby as well. So, you know, that's happening less and less. But just in the beginning, it would have been a bit more kind of obvious. because. But it will it will yeah. help Ruby as well for its social yeah. interactions. Other Absolutely. children will, you know, yeah. that might necessarily have come near Ruby before will suddenly no. might start chatting to her and whatever. Yeah, and they'll is... ask her, what's the name of your dog? And yeah. Say, you know, Isn't that great? Dog chip. And it's brilliant. Yeah, she that's really does. She enjoys it. She's very proud of it. Does she bring Chip to school? 
No, we don't no. bring her into school. No, no we don't. Yeah, she has a small class of five kids. Uh, oh, so she's okay. So she's grand, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So so the world looking uh, certainly a lot better for Ruby Absolutely. and for the whole family because yeah, so so you would you yeah. would advise anyone in any way that can help out with fundraising Absolutely. for the autism assistance. No matter how small, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly, whatever they can. Well, yeah. continue good luck um, to you, Sinead, and to, to the whole of the family and, and to Chip. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank bye you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. bye-bye. Actually, on the, um, Nula, on that whole thing of, of funding, is fundraising a constant battle for you? Yeah, constantly. We're always looking for different ways, obviously, of fundraising for people to get involved like that, obviously, like with um, Woody's um, corporates like that, who will do all the fundraising for us. Just send you over the check. Yeah, exactly, because as such a small team, um, you know, it's difficult to to do it all ourselves. So, yeah, we we do rely on on Woody's. And obviously, you know, we're delighted that, that, that to have been chosen as one of their their charities and just to obviously say thanks to them for working tirelessly over the last uh, number of weeks raising much needed funds for us. And to train dogs. Yeah, well. yeah. And the staff, I think, are working, you know, uh, you know doing it inside work and outside work. Um, it's so, great. Yeah, great. It's, it's great. The obvious question is coming in, are they not state funded? No. No, so we, no, so we we apply for grants and we get a few small grants, um, but no, no, we're not state funded. It's incredible, isn't it? I know. Because it seems like one of those things, I mean, you, you're listening to Sinead, the difference it's made Absolutely. to Ruby's life and to their whole, that whole family yeah. can now go out and socialise yeah. and be normal. Yeah, yeah. And even the fact, I think the dog brings such a positive, um, you know, aspect when you're out and about, because if your child does have a meltdown or... Um, and you've no dog, you know, people look at you, oh, that child's bored, you know, tutting. But I think the dog then, just having the dog, people just smile even when you're out training a dog, you know, yeah. it just brings over that that whole positive side. Do you think, are we getting a better understanding about autism? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I know we recently did the interview with Clana Kilty becoming the first autism friendly uh, town. Are we getting better? Yeah, definitely. I think there's definitely more awareness out there. People are understanding more. Um, seeing more dogs out there even I think helps that people um, people understand more yeah definitely. and you, your dogs have no problem going in anywhere you know when you see the signs no dogs allowed yeah. they'd be classed the same as a guide dog would they? same as a guide dog yeah, yeah. so they have public access shops Do they? restaurants Do they? anywhere yeah, yeah. alright listen you're doing fantastic work uh, keep up the great work thank and you. thanks a million for joining us in, in studio and that is Nuala Geherty who is the CEO of Autism Assistance Dogs uh, Ireland which is based in Mallow and thanks uh, to early who we heard on the line uh, Sinead Muldowney speaking on behalf of her little daughter Ruby and her uh, dog Chip 1850-333-103 If it's happening in your locality it's on c103.ie Whether it's fundraisers major events or news from your area the C103 regional reports provide community information from areas such as Avondoo Duhallow Buttevant East Cork Ballyhowra Mill Street and more To hear a report from your area log on to c103.ie and click on regional reports C103 the heartbeat of your community. Now, Cork Racecourse Mallow and Marymount University Hospice will hold the inaugural Marymount Race Day in Mallow on Saturday next August 17th. To preview the day, I'm joined by the Racecourse Manager, Andrew Hogan, but also in studio is Dan Dewan from Donore, who, along with his brother Michael, came up with the concept of this fundraising day. Good morning to you, gentlemen, and you're both very welcome. Dan, if I can start with you, you've had first-hand experience of the services provided by Marymount. Your lovely mother passed 
passed away under their care. And it's only last November. Tell me a little bit about your mother first and the kind of woman that she was. Yes, Patricia, I suppose uh, Mother Lilith, she was, we'd call her, was born and bred in, in Mallow, 84 Main Street. Um, one sister, Mary, in Mallow also. Um, just good country person, um, four of us in family, me, Michael, Tom and Mary. And I suppose we've, we've all driven this side of things now, but um, Mother got sick, diagnosed with ovarian cancer. The dreaded ovarian cancer again. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. we're, we're just hearing so much of that. Yes, yeah. The, um, the I silent suppose killer. You don't know what's ahead of you. Yeah. Hindsight is great, but Joe, she had the treatment, didn't agree that well with her. She, we went into respite for, for Tamiri Mountain, and um, the plan was always to bring her home. And that was her wish, and thankfully her mind was perfect up to the very end, and she made all her decisions, and one day she said, no, I'm, I want to stay here. Yeah. Um, which I think was a big reflection on the staff of Mary Mount to, you know, a country woman that had her dogs, cat, hens at home. That's what she lived for. And, you know, she, it was her choice and it was like the staff in Mary Mount. You just, you just, at the end of the day, you couldn't describe it. You couldn't mention one staff member in particular. Um, and just the volunteers and everything in Marymount. And, and you would, you would, I would also think, Dan, as from your mother's point of view, she probably did it for all of ye as well, knowing the support that all of ye were going to get. Because that's the one thing when you talk about Marymount, they obviously their primary focus is on the person that's ill, but the, it's the holistic care that they give to everybody. Absolutely, um, just unbelievable. Um, yeah, you're, you're I think mother, mother, as I say, mother was perfect in the full of her health. Her mind was perfect. I won't say full of her health. Her mind was perfect, yeah. made her decisions. And I think she recognised, with being in Marymount, we could have, we had great chats, each one of us. Um, visitors was never a problem. Marymount would leave us, stay at night if we wanted to. Um, and I think, as you say, mother recognised that we got to spend extra quality time with her. Yeah. And I think... She probably knew herself we probably wouldn't be able to look care for as well at home. Well, it would have put so much pressure on... on uh, yeah. You would have looked after her, but the pressure... And no mother wants to watch no. her kids go through that. You know, she's And making the it. right or wrong decision at yeah. home, then you're going to be... Everybody will question, we're not doctors, and you question, yeah. do you ring the doctor? Do you get south doctor? Yeah. Or, and Whereas you had all the experts around you. Experts. So that happened only, only not, not even a year ago, only last November. last November. And what you decided as a family, you wanted to give something back, was it? Yeah, we decided as a family. Um, I suppose personally myself, you'd always say, you'd, you'd go to a funeral and people would say, leave flowers in, or donate flowers in lieu of Mary Mount. Um, yeah. I'd have to put my hand up and say, I, I've never done that. And I've been to funerals, I'd say, I'd do that. But, you know, you go in and get busy. So we kind of came up with this idea. We were talking and... Um, we said this is our way of repaying Mary Mount and the staff and everybody involved and everything and we suggested it to to Cork Racecourse Mellon. Are you a racing fan? Oh yes, we, we have to have a day out, we have to do that, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And, um, so you, you approached the Cork Racecourse Mallow and they said? They said, yeah, and Andrew and Linda came up themselves personally to Mary Mount, Michael and Tommy and Mary, we were all there and... Um, do you know, it was actually, it was amazing. You could tell by their faces, they were actually blown away by Mary Mount. Yeah. Itself, the whole set up and just the whole the whole thing in general. It's just hard to describe it, really. Yeah, Andrew actually is with us in studio. Had you been, good morning to you, Andrew. Had you been in Mary Mount before? No, and 
thankfully personally I hadn't having any um, relatives that were affected by it but I was just moving just, a little bit closer to the mic I had thankfully I hadn't any relatives affected yeah. um, with cancer that but I was just blown away when I went down to Marymount I was nervous actually I going know. in because I suppose going into a hospice and you're expecting it's a tough place to go in but I couldn't believe how positive a place it was considering people are spending the last few days of their lives there and I was just blown away from the minute I walked in the door the facilities the people everything I was just absolutely blown away and we were delighted then to to Have have this day and help in any way we could Okay, and it's more than just a day at the races. Yeah, there's so much going on. Um, we have starting, I suppose, with best dress that you were giving out to me before, not having the best dress man, Patricia. So <laughs> we started off with that with Louis Copeland. And Dunn Stores have come on board and they're sending down Brendan Courtney and Louise Lennon. They're wow. doing the best best dressed lady and Lee Travel have a fantastic trip to London and in a top class hotel and tickets for the London's Eye for the best dressed couple I like that you don't often see that a best dressed couple competition yeah so no it's, it's a nice I think, yeah it's brilliant um, we, of course we've the, the Dairy Goal are sponsoring the kids zone so plenty of of kids activities on the day um, we also have live music there from DJ St- uh, Stevie G, Chris Kavanagh, Louise Morrissey, Handypack, so loads happening. And I'd just like to give a special thanks to everybody that's supporting the day, the amount of work that's going on around the county, I suppose. The Duans themselves, they're they're at it night and day. So um and then I suppose our big sponsors of the races, Murphy Stout, Barry's Tea and Pier Twenty Six, Bally Cotton, and then there's just so many, as you said, with Marymount everywhere we turn. As soon as you mention Marymount, people people people, people want are to putting their hands and, and because of that a hundred percent of the ticket sales. Yeah, a hundred percent. We that's the one thing, and I'd be adamant with anything that we do for a charity that a hundred percent goes. So general admission sales and the race sponsors, absolutely a hundred percent of that is going for the corporate tables. There's an element going to food, and that was where we were so even the kids' activities that. Dairy Gold sponsored or to get sponsors so that if you give your 20 euro a general admission ticket, 100% of that is well going done. to Marymount. Well and done. even our our sponsors, we just told them write the check straight to Marymount so the money, there's no question whatsoever, 100% is Dan, gone. that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, usually you don't get, usually there has to be the so much cost have to be taken out of it. But yeah, that's... A- absolutely. Um, usually you, you look for the snag and um, there isn't, which is, it's, it's, Great, really. Um, I suppose if just get a crowd in, like, like it's it's not every charity you can do that. Um, we're, I suppose we're just looking if we can, if we can get a crowd in in the night and create an atmosphere. Yeah, I mean um, that's what you want it to be more than. I mean, it's going to be a great day racing, obviously, but you want it to be more than that. You want this to be really, a fun day out. A fun day out, and you know you can you can. You can meet your friends and those that are close to you as well and you, you know, you're going to have the, the thoughts of the memories and talk about the memories of your loved ones that you've lost and the whole yeah. that and nothing wrong with that. Life, life's a celebration really. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Will yeah. it be, do you think it's going to be an emotional day for all the family? Uh, sure, a little bit, no, definitely. Yeah. Um, Twilled, absolutely. There's, there's no doubt about it. But it's like, it's, as Andrew said, the support 
we've gotten everything and a lot of families have been through the same and it's our way of saying thank you really and to help future families and, yeah, and future that families. unfortunately that's, will this will it's cross it's going to come to somebody's door so yeah, you don't realise yeah. but that's life and ok and we pre-booking Andrew particularly for the corporate tables the corporate tables yeah they're they're practically I think there's only one table left or there's one or two so they're practically sold out there is afternoon tea packages left and general admission sales so if they go to corkracecourse.ie to do that or phone the race course um, for anybody interested in that and just one thing if you don't mind I'd like to mention we did the launch in Marymount uh, Jimmy Mangan kindly brought down Monty's Pass and a huge amount of the rugby players and hurlers we had Mick O'Driscoll Tomas Mulcahy Larry Tompkins what? Teddy McCarthy they all came down and some of the Tim O'Mahony and Ben Flav came down but really thanked them for their support but that day was very emotional because the amount of the patients that came out to get their picture with the horse and ah. I was even talking to Marymount afterwards they still have that their relatives still have passed have passed away but I'm getting with the hurlers as well the family still have such that's a happy fantastic. day for the, the well patients done. That's, and that, that, so. Dan that's all down to you and your family well done and, and memory of your wonderful mother who uh, I know is somewhere smiling down and she'll be very very proud of what you're going to achieve on Saturday best of luck to Thank both you of you and to everybody uh, involved and we hope you all have a great day out because that's what it's about as well. Thank you for joining Thank us in the studio. Thanks a million.
That's music from Boy Meets Girl on C103 and that is waiting for a star to fall. We've got news at 12 midday on the way. It is Monday, so that means Annalise Drussell, a nutritional therapist, will be joining us in the next hour. If you've got a nutritional question, advice that you think Annalise can give you because she's always a mine of information, uh, get dialing 1850-333-103 and you can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103103. Let's take a break though and head to the newsroom at 11. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up to date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel good song of the day, plus our feel good story and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. The Irish Times on Monday. From sideline cuts to black cards, birdies to bogeys, and every dramatic moment in between. Sport Monday has it covered. And with all the news that matters, it's your summer read from the Irish Times. There's a smarter way to find your perfect 192 than following the crowd. Subtract all the noise that's out there. Then choose a reliable brand, like one sculpted in Germany over 120 years. Filter the list for class-leading connectivity. Now select the one with the smartest choices around, like 0% PCP or HP Finance, 3,000 euro scrappage or three years free servicing. Make the smart switch to Opal. Discover Crossland X and Insignia that are 120-year anniversary event. Visit Kevin O'Leary, Bandon and Silver Springs for more. Opal. Born in Germany. Made for Ireland. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. This is a higher purchase agreement provided by Bank of Ireland Finance, a registered trading name of Bank of Ireland. Offer until August 31st. Hi, my name is Ger Spillane. I'm the regional manager with Focus Ireland in Cork City. And we urgently need your help. In the last year, we have seen a staggering 80% rise in the number of people homeless in Cork. You can help change that. A simple gift from you of just €15 per month will help Focus Ireland protect those most at risk in your local community. Please, give what you can. Call 1850-204-205 or go to focusireland.ie. Thank you. On FM. Online, online, and on your phone. This is C103 News. It's midday. Good afternoon. I'm Barry O'Mahony. A man has died following a... You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Okay, I need to go uh, straight to the phone lines because, as we've been hearing all morning, the Garda in Mallow are investigating a fatal road traffic collision at New Tupot House. And Sergeant Tony Cronin, based at Mallow Garda Station, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Tony. Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Tony, unfortunately, this accident happened early this morning. It was around 7 a.m., am I right? Yes. Um, the accident uh, happened uh, near enough to Costell on the N20 at uh, Balti Daniel East, which is very close to New Tupac House. And it happened at approximately 6.55 a.m. And there was a car and uh, a truck involved in this collision. And visibility was good. Traffic was um, relatively light at the time, but we are aware that there were motorists on this stretch of road at the time the collision occurred. So what we would be appealing for is people uh, to come forward if you saw the accident occurring or you came upon the, the accident or if you have uh, dash cam footage we'd appreciate any information or assistance from the public that we could get. Yeah because it's the main Cork to Limerick Road I mean it can be busy at various stages in the day it's it's you know it's more busy at different times of the day so it's, it was early enough in the morning but still you would have had people coming to and from work. Yes it's um, say five to seven and conditions are good visibility is good 
So, um, you know, you've clear stretch of road in front of you. It's a, quite a long stretch with um, a traffic island in the middle uh, where this uh, accident occurred. So there is good visibility and we are aware that there are witnesses uh, who came upon us and okay. who possibly were travelling behind the vehicles involved also. So we were just asking you if you were on the N20 this morning, any time between 6.30 and 7am in around Mallow to, to Butfant on that stretch of road, would you please contact Mallow Garda Station at 022 Okay, and again, if you've got dash cam footage in particular, that could, that would be most helpful. Okay, um, and Tony, I know we've we've no details yet of the uh, person who's passed away, but um, is the road will the road remain closed for much of today? Uh, the road will be closed for another hour or two approximately. Okay. The forensic collision investigators are at scene, and as soon as vehicles are removed, then we'll be able to open the road. Okay, and we'll be back on to you then. All right, listen. Thanks for that, Tony. Thank and you. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us, Sergeant Tony Cronin. Anyone with any information, please Malogar, the station 022 31450. And we think of the family of. Um it's a man. Oh, that, all right, uh, that's as much information as we're given us at the moment. We think of that family and that phone call or that knock on the door that they would have gotten uh, today. God help them. 1850 Now, we've had a number of people on to us about dogs that went missing because of the thunder and lightning storm that occurred last week was the Thursday into uh, Friday morning and just to let me give you three that we've been getting calls in about there's a large brown German shepherd that's missing from the Castlehaven Skibbereen area there's a tri-coloured corgi missing from the Jamore area of Drumaham and then there is a white Jack Russell with brown patches missing from the Dramina area and we know the dogs can get really really spooked when there's a lot of thunder and lightning activity and they just bolt and then they get disorientated and they get lost uh, so they could have you know they could have gone many many kilometres away from home so any sightings please of any of those dogs would you contact us here at the studio please 022 42430 that's 42430 and I can see it's our office line I can see some of your calls coming in for Annalise you can keep those coming uh, 1850 333103 if you want to speak to John Paul with your question or if you want to text straight to me here at the studio or WhatsApp you can to 0862 we spoke about Marymount, wonderful Marymount Hospice in the last hour with the Duane family organising that. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a cracker of a race day and lots more than just a day at the racing next Saturday at the Cork Race Course in Mallow. Well, Jimmy Baz Wiseman in Bantry has sent a lovely WhatsApp to say, Patricia, can I echo the sentiments of that gentleman, Dan, who you spoke with before News at 12 regarding Marymount Hospice? I had first-hand experience of this wonderful place when visiting my late brother there. The kindness and the compassion of all of the staff there could not be surpassed. As I was suffering from cancer myself at the time also, I felt good just to be a visitor in this place. And as I had so much going on in my own mind at the time, yes, you can stay over that suits you better to stay for the night if you so desire you can make tea coffee sandwiches whatever you want the facilities are are there I can vouch Patricia for the wonderful work of Marymount Hospice it truly is a special place particularly in one's last days and you'll not get a better place thanks to everybody working there and may God reward them and that's from Jimmy thank you for that and as I say that's the one point we were trying to get across it's only when you have a family member uh, touched by cancer, or 
touched by some kind of a terminal illness where you will need Marymount Hospice it's only then you realise how important a facility like that is and we are truly blessed here in Cork to have Marymount we really are and you know I've I've I never ever I don't think since the day it opened have I ever heard anybody say anything bad about Marymount Hospice it's just it's a wonderful wonderful uh, organisation can we also remember all of the Leaving Cert students who are today the last of the anxious wait that's been going on now since they finished their exams in uh, June and today can be a stressful enough day for each and every one of them because Leaving Cert results are out tomorrow a day earlier than normally it's normally out on the, the second Wednesday of the in in August, but it's not. They're going a day early, and this is to allow further. It's going to be. We're going to hear about the CAO first round offers. It's going to be out on Thursday. We'll be focusing on it tomorrow, by the way, and offering advice. But just for the day that's in it, on the eve of it, I'm I'm conscious that people are being very stressed at the moment, and the Samaritans have come out very publicly to say that stu- students are urged to put their mental health. Uh, first ahead of everything particularly with the results tomorrow and the first round of the CAO offers the nerves really starting to kick in for the 60,000 pupils who will receive their results tomorrow and the Samaritans are saying those that care for them you need to put forget about grades Look for help if you're struggling. If you find it's all getting too much, reach out. Samarathan's reminding parents and students that the organisation is there to offer support for anyone, including those who are anxious or those who may not get the results that they were hoping for. Niall Mulligan is the Executive Director of the Samarathan's Ireland and he said that when exam stress can have a negative influence on the mental, that exam stress can have a mental negative mental effect on young people teenagers and parents he said need to remember that while exam results are important it's equally important to support those who are struggling to cope with the pressure or who are unhappy with their achievements and what the results will be tomorrow Samarathan's volunteers are available and will be available around the clock seven days a week providing emotional support and just a listening ear to anyone who needs help their free phone number one one six one two three one one six one two three. If you feel uncomfortable about talking to somebody, you can email. It's a simple email address. It's joe j o at samarathans.ie. They also have a text number. Young people for the text oh eight seven two six zero nine zero nine zero oh eight seven two six zero nine zero Nine uh, zero, And over the past five years, Samaritan volunteers have answered almost three million calls for help with demand via email and text messaging, improving month on month. And I think that's got to do with young people and young people prefer to sit down behind a keyboard and pour out their heart and explain what's going on uh, in their lives, which is good to see that they are reaching out and reaching out to the Samaritans. Among the callers are students who find themselves just struggling to cope with sitting major exams in June and then when the results come out in August, particularly then when they wait for their college place. And then, of course, there's another stressful time if they have been done well enough and they get the college place, that moving away from home. So it can just all be very, very stressful time in young people's lives. But at least this year, the wait between receiving the results and the first round CAO offers is going to be much shorter because students will be receiving their first round offers from the CAO on Thursday next, the 15th, which is five days earlier 
than they normally receive it. So I think that might take some of the stress and the pressure away from uh, some of those young people. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. To mark the centenary of St. Coleman's Cathedral in Cove, a free exhibition showcasing photography from the time of the cathedral's construction right up to the present day is running from today, Monday the 12th, through to Sunday the 25th of August. It's open daily from 10am to 4pm in the Old Bon Secours Convent opposite the cathedral. A series of lectures will also be held daily in the parish centre. They're about 45 minutes in duration and the good news is admission is free. The West Cork Stop 5G Group are holding a meeting tonight at Dunham's Hotel in Clannacilty. It starts at nine. All are welcome. Fremont Summer Cultus Session will continue. It's on every Wednesday for the month of August. This week's special guests are Billy O'Brien, John Murphy and uh, friends. And the Cork Yarn Spinners, they gather every third Thursday at the Crawford and Co. In, uh, on Anglesey Street for a fun evening of stories, poems and songs. For the August open night, they're looking for pure Cork talent. So bring along your own stories, songs and poems. Or you can simply just sit. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There and listen in. You can check them all out on their Facebook page at Cork Yarn Spinner. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, I mentioned that we were getting reports in from families who have lost their pets, their dogs went missing during the thunder and lightning storm last week. So keep a look out. There are still some stray dogs wandering around lost. They got such a fright. Well, uh, there was other people got dreadful frights with the thunder and lightning last week. Julie uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Julie. Good morning. Um, this is what what happened. Was this in your house or in your it parents? Was, no, it is in uh, my own home. OK, yeah. what, what, this was last Thursday. Thursday night, yeah. yeah. what happened? Um, we were just gone into bed, myself and my husband and um, my children, my, well, my two daughters and my grandchildren were gone to bed. And uh, we heard the clap of thunder, the first clap, and then I don't know whether it was the second or the third uh, bolt of lightning, but there was an unmerciful bang. And we thought that the chimney pot was after coming through the roof. <gasps> And we jumped out of bed because my daughter was screaming upstairs with the children because they're only four and five. Um, then my power went and my smoke alarms kicked in and the carbon monoxide alarm kicked in. Oh, my God. And um, 
So you're you're in pitch darkness and all these alarms are going off. Yeah, it was terrible. After it was, it was like a nightmare, to be honest. Which because we were trying to get the kids out, you know, because we couldn't see not no the smoke. We could see the smoke going out the front door. So my husband got on the phone to ring the, the, the fire brigade, and my daughter took one of her children over to my friend's house, and I was left standing outside the front door with my other grandson, and um, um. I, I'm still very shocked over it. I know, I, I can hear it in your voice, Julie. And what had gone on fire? Um, the the, um, the skybox and the um, modium blew from the wall. The lightning was after striking it and blew. And all the wiring and everything went all over the place. In It burnt up, shriveled and blew across the, the living room onto my three-piece. And... Um, we were screaming outside the front door for help, but nobody could hear us because of the the thunder and the lightning and the the, the smoke alarms had gone off and everything. And I had this one. Of, I had the five year old underneath my house coat to try and shed, shed in from the lightning, you know, and oh the rain. God. And this and was at the early in the early hours of the morning. Yeah, well, it was about ten past quarter past twelve, and um, my neighbour came over and took us over so my husband stayed here and the fire brigade came in and they spotted what was after happening and uh, they said how we were very lucky and got us told to stay out of the house and we came back in Saturday morning and we seen the damage that was done in here and And I how swear, much how much damage was done Julie? Uh, well we've no television now we've no we've nothing we've nothing at all we're still waiting on car County Council to come down and to look at the wiring and that because my trip switch keeps tripping. You're and back in we, the house though. Yeah, we're back in the house. Yeah, yeah. we have to. We have yeah. to because we've nowhere else to go. And it was lightning hit 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 the the, the modium box and the sky box. And they just and, and did they actually go on fire? Did they actually? Are yeah, they, they, they did. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, but the fire brigade. Did looked after all that yeah you know? so was there anything else was there a lot of smoke damage then yeah oh yeah there's a lot yeah. of smoke damage I have to paint and repaint the place now and that you know but you know what that's that's the least that's the least that's the least of your worries all, all, all I, 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 I'm so happy to the Lord above I swear that he looked after us that night with them children and thank that's, God that's that you all. had smoke alarms they all yeah, kicked in yeah. they all did exactly what they're meant they to do they all done what to do and I said they, they saved us that night they did care what they did indeed says. any other house hit in the area you're in, in Cove is it Julie? Yeah, Cove. I am. Any any other house? Affected? Yeah, there was another house across from me. His their ceiling came in, <sighs> and um, I think, as far as I know, that the the the, the partner got hit by uh, lightning, but he got checked out. <laughs> he's okay. He's he's okay. So thank God. And so, do you ever remember a lightning, a thunder lightning as bad? Fifty-seven years old I am, and I never, ever, ever witnessed it. Yeah. Never witnessed just it. Just shows I, you the I, dangers, doesn't it, of thunder and lightning? It does. And you know what? It plug out everything at night time. Yeah. You know, it's just, just do it. You know what I mean? You think it's never going to happen to you, but it, it did happen to us. But sure, we had somebody who contacted us on Friday who had, in the middle of the thunder and lightning, they were using their microwave and it, it blew the microwave. I mean, she was lucky she was there. It was just she only lost her microwave. She wasn't, uh, certainly not w- what you're describing. So yeah, if there's thunder and lightning are 
you know, you know, it's the met air will often say it's going to be thunder and light night. Just unplug everything before you go to bed. Go to bed, yeah. But yeah. you know, you'd say, oh, be the grand on the phone. Yeah. But I can still hear the screams of my children, my grandchildren, you know. I know, it's frightening. I can, it, it, it's terrible. Like, and you know, and the thing about it now, like, we have nothing now, you know, no televisions now or nothing or for, for them, you know, to keep them have you occupied. Have you house insurance, Julie? Will no, you, no, love it's a council house. Oh, right, okay. You know, and and we rang them Friday morning to come down and check the house for us, and we're still waiting. We rang them again this morning. Okay, and we'll and get on. We'll get on to the community. So you need to get an electrician in. I'd be wary when the trip switch is going. Yeah, you need I to. am. And you'll be nervous in another storm, Julie. I'd say. I'll I'd be terrified. I used to be always the brave one in the house. You know. Mm. I used to always saying, "Look, it's going to pass over." But I, I'm sorry now, like, but not. It's really shook me and does not know that will brave mm. me out. Do what they say lightning doesn't strike twice but sure. That's what they say. Yeah. But I yeah. All right, listen, listen, thank you for sharing the story with us anyway. No, it's good no, word no. of warning for anybody else and look after yourself and we'll get on to the council as well okay. see if we can speed it up. Thanks for that. Okay. That's uh, Julie uh, listening to us in for Moy. Now Mary joins me because we were also hearing over the weekend that crew on board a flight from Birmingham to Cork were praised for how they behaved on what sounds like a nightmare flight during that storm. Mary was one of the passengers on that plane. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mary. Good afternoon there, Patricia. Now, was, how are you? I'm very well. Was this last Thursday as well or was it Friday? No, it was Thursday night. Thursday we night. To leave, yeah, we were due to leave Birmingham at nine o'clock. Yeah. And we ended up leaving around about 20 past 12 in the morning. We were delayed quite a bit. And were you delayed because of the weather? We were. Um, the staff were very good in keeping us informed. Um, I think an earlier flight that day had been um, transferred from Cork up to, diverted up to Shannon. It was really just to do with pretty bad um, weather conditions. But then they eventually the, they landed in at Birmingham and then they also took their time to make sure that the the weather would start to calm down a bit before they decided to move on. So on you get to the plane at 20 past 12. What was the weather conditions in Birmingham? Oh, it was pretty awful. Oh, was it? Okay. The the rain was absolutely lashing down. The winds were quite high. Um, You know, it was not a pretty evening and obviously it was pitch black as we all kind of huddled on. It was a kind of small prop plane. Mm. Um. Normally, obviously, for sort of shorter journeys, and we were told, you know, there would be it'd be a bit of a bumpy ride. But um, as a seasoned traveller, because I travel most weekends on flights, um, but this one was probably <laughs> this one was down as okay. as Just the most dramatic. Describe <laughs> describe what was a bit of a bumpy ride. Sure. Well, we had the sort of regular turbulence. You know, I was probably six rows from the front. And so a bit up and down, but halfway into the flight, um, we lost some pressure or something, and we took a bit of a dive. Oh. So there was a streak of lightning, and we could see out the window at the plane, and that would be discharged out the back, but the plane took a bit of a dive. At that point, you could hear everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people screaming. Um, I kind of put my hand up, to, to the overhead locker to kind of steady myself because you have a sort of reverse motion as the plane's going down, things start going up. And there was a poor woman across from me 
I mean, she was just hurling into the sick bag. We were pa- they were passing sick bags back. To oh food. my god! Um, and then the there and then there was a oh, a wee woman at the front. She just her panic had hit maximum, and it was like <laughs> actually, although it was quite scary. You know, it became almost comical because she stood up to get her jacket on because she was going home at this point and had completely lost the plot. And the staff then had to run down to try and calm her down. And I think some of the sick had splattered in different parts of the plane. It was on the crew. And, you know, they were trying to calm her down. She wasn't for it. And they she, were just so well, she, she It sounds like she was having a full-blown panic attack, was she? She, she did. And there was... Somebody else needed a bit of assistance before we got off the plane when we hit Cork. And they had to bring on somebody to help somebody else off the plane as well, just because they'd taken a real full-blown panic attack as well. So it really was um, the most memorable flight. Um, It was quite shocking, but again, the the pilot was incredible. And he was reassuring everybody, you know, when we were coming in to land, you know, it's going to be less turbulent as we're hitting into Cork. Six more minutes, you know, relax. The staff, you know, they were constantly up and down the plane saying, are you all right, are you all right? And you were taking the sick bag oh. back. Um, but really, you know, thank God for their professionalism. You know, like their training has kicked in and tried to calm the masses. Um, and, and the woman at the front who was ready to sort of jump out the plane without a parachute. She was happy with her handbag. <laughs> um, but they, did, they calmed her down and uh, and it was pretty peaceful as we were getting off the plane, thank God. But, and what was the landing know, like? The landing was not too bad. Was it um, not? Again, it was a bit rocky. You know, again, you're not, you're not expecting a, a, you know, a, a, a fantastic, smooth descent when you do have such ferocious weather. But the pilots know exactly what they're doing. And, you know, you have those flashes of doubt when the plane's dipping and um, and you're thinking... Is this it? It, it, can't, it can't be it. You know, we had um, the Hot House Flowers gig to go to in Baltimore and I was thinking, <laughs> we must, whatever happens, we'll swim. <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> don't go, don't leave me now, 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 now. <laughs> and you made it to the concert. Oh, yes, and it was magical. It was out in Glebe Gardens yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And um, the weather was perfect. The sound just bounced off the, the trees in the background. The birds were flying above our heads. There was little candles lit along the road. And everybody just danced and just celebrated the night. And such a great group of friends that we meet regularly to see the boys. And it was magical. Absolutely magical. Well done. Well so done. You that, just... that put it all behind us. Yeah, you know? and and you say you fly regularly, so this won't put you off flying. But the, those people no. who had the full blown panic attack and the very nervous travellers, they may be put off flying again. Trisha, um, absolutely. There was there was you know in the in the airport, you know we're there for you know a good three hours, and we're you know different passengers. We realised we're the last people hanging about Birmingham Airport. I'm thinking everything is getting closed down and we're the last people to leave. And there were some passengers were saying, you know, geez, I wish they would just cancel this. I don't think I'd like to do this flight. And and I thought, and I was saying, safest way to travel 
Yeah. You know, yeah, they all, they all say that. Travel. Yeah, and then and but, you were you were there. I'm getting on that plane. That. I'm going to see the hothouse flowers. I'm not missing the hothouse flowers gig. Well, good to know no, that the gig sure. went well. Listen, you've you've painted a great picture, Mary. Thank you for that, and uh, and no thanks problem. thanks for joining us. Thanks. Good morning no to you. At all. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, thanks you too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, she painted a really good picture of what that flight from Birmingham to Cork was like. God help those people who are having full blown uh, panic attacks. But I think to be on a plane like that pitch darkness because now it's the middle of the night it was uh, three and a half hours delayed leaving and then for the flash of lightning and for the plane to dip I think I would be starting to think is, is this uh, it? Uh, 1850 we're getting calls in there's delays on the Cork to Mallow Road and this is separate to the one in Tupot House this is at the Drumahan Junction we're getting reports of a, a three three to four car collision at the Quartertown uh, turn-off and that is causing delays and that particular turn-off is busier than normal because the northbound lane of the Mallow Bridge is closed off so people are travelling that way in order to get from one side of the town to the other. So that's going to lead to a uh, further delays until that gets cleared. OK, so that's uh, the Drumahan Junction. Avoid, please. And we've been asked to thank everybody who supported the Coffee Day last Saturday for the Dogs for Disabled in Canturk. And uh, I'm assuming similar to the interview we did this morning with the assistance, the autism assistance dogs. So well done to everybody who helped out at that Coffee Day in Canturk last Saturday. 1850 We're going to take a break and we're back with Annalise Drussell answering all of your nutritional questions. First thing in the morning, you can wake up to Cork's greatest hits. Up to date traffic and travel info to get you where you need to be going on time and things to put a smile on your face, like Maura. Acting the maggot, basically acting the fool. Thousands of euro could be won as well. Back first thing in the morning from six. Chatty then. C103. Everything starts with a good idea. At Noel C. Duggan Limited Mill Street, we've lots of ideas for your home with two stories of quality furniture, sofas, bedroom furniture and interior decoration. Noel C. Duggan also caters for all your building, DIY, electrical and painting needs with Colour Trend, Dulux and Fleetwood paints in stock. And for that perfect present, we have a large range of gifts. Free parking, Noel C. Duggan Limited, Main Street, Mill Street Town, open Monday to Saturday, 9 to 5.30pm. Call 029 700 Time to start planning for your financial future? Oak Tree Financial for Moy offer expert and impartial advice tailor-made to suit you and your family's needs. From advice on pensions, life insurance and income protection to savings and investments. Start your financial journey today with Oak Tree Financial for Moy. Protecting you and your future. See oaktreefinancial.ie Make the right decision for your future. Choose St. John's Central College in Cork City. With over 50 courses in IT, media technology, services, art and design, applied sciences, construction and engineering, St. John's Central College has something for everyone. Take the next step. Make the right decision. Apply today at stjohnscollege.ie. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 And Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining us. Good afternoon, Jan Good afternoon. And you are very welcome. Uh, questions for Annalise, please. 1850 You can text your WhatsApp uh, 0862103103. Now, Margaret's been on to us wondering is there any natural way of clearing up a kidney infection? And also, is there anything you can do to re- prevent reoccurring kidney infections? 
Yeah, definitely. Lots of things actually, Patricia, there that are very beneficial. But the tried and tested method that I found works the best for my customers is a combination of something called D-Manos, spelled with a capital D and then a hyphen, and then M-A-N-N-O-S-E. Actually, it's a type of a sugar, but it's the what it does is it prevents the disease-causing bacteria from being able to stick on to the lining of the bladder and the urinary tract. So if they can't stick on, they won't be able to multiply. And in actual fact, there's a lot of medical urologists now recommending D-Manos as well because it really is fantastic in terms of helping to prevent kidney infections and also to treat if you have, if you have a kidney infection. And I normally uh, combine that with um, a probiotic, something like cranbiotics is one. It's a combination of the good bacteria and cranberry extract. So if you're treating uh, a urinary tract infection or if you think something is coming on or kidney infection, you start taking um, one gram of the D-manose and one of the, um, the probiotic and cranberry capsules um, after each meal. So you take them three times a day for treatment. And then once you've gotten over the, the uh, feeling of the urinary tract or the infection, you take it once a day for maintenance. And I would generally say if you get recurrent kidney infections, Stay on both of them for about three months because what you're looking to do is try and restore the good bacteria into the kidney and the urinary tract. And once that happens, they tend to be able to fight off any bad bacteria that come in. And then if you're, you know, if if you've been the person who's been on an antibiotic for three years or more for kidney infections, after the three months, you could probably drop the demanos but continue on the probiotic indefinitely. Okay, uh, Orla has a friend of hers who Orla describes as clearing her throat. It's been going on for the last few months. Now, she, Orla says when she quizzes the friend, the friend says sometimes there is phlegm there. She's a very active person. She appears in perfect health. The only thing is she's on uh, a tablet from the GP for reflux. But Orla is worried, could there be some underlying reason why somebody would constantly need to clear their throat? Yeah. And could you, uh, Annalise, recommend anything? I think a lot of people would say, Patricia, that they have what they call a postnatal drip. So there's constant mucus flowing down the back of their throat and they're swallowing a lot of mucus. Now, it's normally down to um, the body producing mucus in reaction to something. So it's normally an allergy. And a lot of people would find are an intolerance, um, would, would find that dairy is a big one. And to be honest, I think even if you're not intolerant to dairy, sometimes even after cheese, you would find that you're kind of a little bit more mucusy in your throat. So, um, you know, the, the key here might be that it's only started happening a couple of months ago. So maybe she's just developed a little bit of hay fever and she's producing a lot of mucus in reaction to the pollen. You know, we've had a very dry summer again this year. So a lot of hay fever sufferers have been very bad again this year. Last year was shocking because it was so dry. Um, so the hay fever, obviously, you're producing mucus in reaction to the pollen. If it happens more in the winter time or when it's damp, it's likely that you've maybe got an allergy to some kind of mould. And there's a lot of moulds that live in our environment, especially in Cork as well, where a very damp valley um, type of, you know, in the valley of the, the River Lee, we get a lot of damp and moulds in Cork. So um, it could be an allergy to mould. That's very, very common. So if your symptoms are worse in the winter and good when you go away to a dry country on holidays, it's likely to be an allergy to mould. And sometimes it can be a food intolerance. It could be maybe dairy or it could be gluten or it could be um, other different types of the eggs are very common intolerance as well. 
So I suppose the key is trying to figure out what's driving it, you know, what's causing the mucus production. But you could take something to dry it up if you didn't want to go to the trouble of figuring it out. Um, Ivy and thyme are great as herbs that help dry up mucus. Plantago is another one that's great. That's spelled P-L-A-N-T-A-G-O, Plantago. And the Dr. Delish Clare um, blend um, for the mucotone, it's um, a blend of different herbs for the chest and for drying up mucus. That's another great one to try as well. Okay, that's the one we can vouch for. A lot of us, we all used a bottle of that one day in, in here and it, it worked it's for every one of us. It does. A vile, absolutely, <laughs> but it does work. Um, hi, this is Tom and Castlemartyr. Hi. I have been eating two to three pieces of fruit every day and trying to increase it as recommended by the health studies. But when I manage to eat five pieces of fruit a day, I find it just runs straight through me. What fruit is best to avoid to stop this happening? So I think um, probably the best thing to do, actually, Patricia, is increase the amount of vegetables. Now, I know the guidelines are your five a day, um, which, to be honest, I think it should be your 10 a day is, is probably closer to what we need in terms of our health. But um, fruit does have a lot of sugar, and especially the fruit that we have bred nowadays, even the cherry tomatoes, they're all so sweet. Uh, apples are very sweet. Um, uh, our peaches and our nectarines and plums, there's quite a bit of sugar in them. So that might be just a little bit too much for um, for Tom, um, all of that sugar. So I think maybe if he tries to increase his vegetables instead. And ways of doing that very simply would be to have a bowl of vegetable soup at lunchtime, to make sure if you're having a sandwich, put in some salad like um, lettuce leaves, maybe a bit of cucumber, and then to increase the amount of veg at your dinner table. Um, but in terms of fruit then that would maybe be a little bit more rough on the bowel like rhubarb is is one that most people will find um and um, in fact if you're a little bit caught up and bound up or constipated rhubarb is a great one to give you a good clean out um so rhubarb and um kiwis they would they would often um promote bowel movements so maybe avoid those and go for the less sugary varieties like um berries um so if you're increasing your fruit increase the berries because they've so many other health benefits as well besides the low sugar element of it. Hi, message. Question for Annalise, please. My, I'm due my baby November 8th. I'm undecided about getting the whooping cough injection. What would Annalise's advice be? I suppose that's a very difficult one to answer, Patricia, um, when it comes to vaccinations because, um, you know, for some people, they're going, they need it. I mean, I'm not... some of the vaccines are amazing and they save lives some of them possibly aren't necessary and there's lots of um, side effects to them as well so I think if you're prone to getting whooping cough or if you have a very weak chest it could be a good idea and if you're not maybe you know if you've never had a bad chest or cold maybe it's something you don't need so um, I never like to make a call on that it's such a personal choice Yeah and chat to your doctor chat to your GP Talk to your GP GPs probably will promote different vaccines Um, Mm. you know the flu vaccine I know is a big one as well that often are advised to pregnant women but you know the the flu vaccines aren't very effective so if you're worried about taking vaccines maybe that's one that you mightn't need to take the problem is is that when you're pregnant you can't take a lot of drugs Mm. that you can take when you're with. So I always think if, if it's a weakness and if you're prone to something, I think it's a good idea then to get that vaccine. OK. Hi. I, I'm suffering from restless legs at night. I've, it only started since I started taking blood pressure tablets, says a listener. Well, that's an interesting one. Now, it could be a reaction to the blood pressure tablets. So 
I suppose the only way to know really would be to stop the blood pressure tablets for a week to see um, did the, the restless legs go away. Um, it depends on the type of blood pressure tablet as well, Patricia. Some of them are diuretics, and if that was the case, you might be losing maybe some of your electrolytes too much. So one of the things you could do is you could get um, some good quality sea salt and have a pinch, like a couple of grains of the salt on your tongue with a glass of water and do that six times a day to see does that rebalance the electrolytes in your blood. Now, I know people think salt and blood pressure, yeah. but actually it's the sodium chloride is not good for blood pressure, but a good sea salt will have magnesium in there, it'll have calcium in there, it'll have iodine in there and potassium. So there's lots of the different electrolytes in there that our bodies need to, for our nervous system function. So um, and a few grains on the tongue is definitely not going to increase your blood pressure. But if you were worried about taking salt and you really don't want to do it, you could probably get electrolytes in the pharmacy or in a health store and you can take them in droplet form or you could just take plain magnesium on its own and that's a great one for restless legs. Hi Annelise, any energy pill that you could recommend for older people who like to exercise, jog a bit as well? Uh, would you know the name of something that would give an extra bit of energy? Yeah, I think as we get older, Patricia, we're less able to absorb B12 because we lose the, the strong, you know, our stomach acid becomes less strong in our stomachs and you need a good strong stomach acid to absorb vitamin B12. So I think as people get older, they're more likely to be B12 deficient. So a B complex that has lots of B12 in there is always a good one to take um, for energy. Uh, magnesium would be another one as well to give you a bit of energy. I know a lot of people take it at night to sleep, but magnesium actually does a few different jobs and giving us energy is one of them. So something like that might help, but needs to be taken regularly. If you want a kind of an energy burst, ginseng can be fantastic for an immediate energy kick. And you don't get that kind of jittery energy that you get from a cup of coffee or, um, you know, the caffeine buzz. But um, ginseng isn't always safe to take, so it depends on your medications. I'd call into your local health shop and check, bring in your list of medications with you just to check that it's safe for you to be taking. Okay. Hi. I get I get regular canker sores in my mouth. How can they be prevented? They're quite painful. The mouth ulcers, yeah, they're very painful. Um, a lot of the time, Patricia, um, it can be as a result of an allergy to sodium lauryl sulfate that's found in toothpaste. So my first recommendation for people always is to switch to a natural toothpaste that doesn't have sodium lauryl sulfate in there. It's not now one without perfumes or anything. It's one without sodium lauryl sulfate. So it's not going to foam as well as the toothpaste that you're normally used to. But don't worry about that. The foaming doesn't actually clean your teeth. It's just what we're used to. So you'll get those in a health shop. That's the first step. The second thing then might be um, if you're run down. So a good just tonic or multivitamin to kind of bring up your, your um, nu- nutrient status again could be a good option. And then if they're very painful, one of the things that's great to take the pain out of them is something called colloidal silver. You can buy it in the health shop again. It comes as a spray. That's probably the best way to get it. And you just spray it onto the sore. And it also helps the healing of it very much. Um, and it's not dangerous to take at all and it's perfectly safe with all of all medications so you don't need to worry about um, bringing in your list into the health shop when you're getting that one. And what's it called again? It's called colloidal silver. So colloidal means that they're tiny, tiny, tiny particles of silver suspended in water. They're so small and so light that the water molecules actually hold them up. So do you remember in the old days, Patricia, we used to have mercurochrome? Yeah. So it was mercury. It was always yeah. put onto sores 
to disinfect and heal them. And it did work brilliantly, except that mercury is a severe neurotoxin. So they had to yeah. stop using that. So this is silver. Silver is also a wonderful healer and a wonderful antibacterial, antiviral, antifungal agent. But it's in such tiny amounts that it's not dangerous to take into the body at all. Mary wants to know what causes a dead leg. The only medication she's on is a tablet for blood pressure. Oh, I don't know, Patricia. Is the answer to that. Generally, when I think of anything dead, it's a problem with the nerve. So it's like a trapped nerve issue. Uh, it would be quite common. People would come in with sciatica and they would have no feeling or a numb feeling going down their leg. So possibly, could it be that? I think maybe a visio- visit to your physiotherapist um, is probably the best thing. And if it is both legs and if it's a, a, as a result of the medication, there's something wrong. So you need to go back to your doctor about that because that doesn't it shouldn't, that sound yeah, it shouldn't be happening. Threatening, yeah. Hi, Annalise. I'm getting very itchy skin at present. It comes up a little blotchy at times. Could it be heat rash? I do moisturise after my shower all of the time. Or could it be something that I'm eating is causing it? Yeah, it could be heat rash, Patricia, but heat rash tends to kind of come up in a whole rash over the whole body as opposed to a few little dry spots here and there. It actually is a rash. So um, I find that sun cream, Patricia, is lethal for some people. Um, I know myself, like sun cream, I get very bad dry patches and eczema from certain sun creams. So if you're using a lot of sun cream at the moment and your skin is coming up in dry patches, it's probably the reason. Uh, the other thing to look at maybe is the moisturiser. There might be something in it that you're reacting to that's creating slight little bits of dermatitis or eczema. So I'd switch to a completely natural um, skin moisturiser. Uh, some of the best, one of the best one actually, and I use quite a lot, Patricia, is argan oil. I know we're used to buying it for our hair. And anybody who comes from the East laughs at us because they actually use it as salad dressing and cooking, so they can't believe we put it on our bodies. <laughs> I did but, not know that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's used mostly in food in, um, in Morocco and other, in, in other um, Eastern countries. But it is a wonderful, it's like a dry oil, so it doesn't sit on your skin and make mm. your skin really oily. It does soak in beautifully. And you can get a nice organic argan oil in the health shop or possibly even in the supermarket. And I often would put in my own drops of essential oils and I use it as a face oil and I use it as a body oil and I think it's a great product. Well done. And finally, uh, Mary says, I suffer from dry eyes. Anything I can take, one of them is very bad at the moment. Yeah, that's very painful actually, Patricia, the dry eyes. So I think, um, I mean, from a practical perspective, stop looking at screens if you can for longer than 20 minutes at a time. So a lot of people, we see it more and more now, the dry eyes because of computers and especially so many people working on a computer, you're supposed to get up every 15 to 20 minutes, Patricia, and give your eyes a rest for three minutes. That's the, um, that's the health guidelines. Yeah, it's recommended. But um, in terms of the dry eye, there is um, the omega-3 fats are wonderful for uh, dry eyes. So get a very good fish oil. In actual fact, there is one that I have in the shop here that's done by a company specifically for dry eye, and it's called Optase, O-P-T-A-S-E, and uh, it's just a blend of different fish oils, particularly high in one that's very good for dry eye. So take that. You should notice the benefit after six to probably eight weeks on the fish oils. And in the meantime, use a natural eye drop like the Dr. Vogel do a wonderful eye drops. Um, or Otasan is another company. Get them in a health shop because um, 
you know, you can pay a lot of money for the hyaluronic acid ones in the pharmacy, the health shop, they're not that expensive. Okay, listen, have a lovely week and we'll chat to you again Thanks next Monday. Patricia. Thanks for joining us. That's Annalise Drussell, nutritional therapist who works from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic, a mine of information as uh, always. Uh, that's where I leave you for today. Before I go, a reminder to you that Simon's Celebrity Seas were playing it right across the day here on C103, Monday to Friday. And today it has gone to 2,400 euro. Two of the names have been guessed. C. So you've got the one in the middle. Got to try and work out who the one in the middle uh, is. We're going to play again with Nick this afternoon and we'll play again with Martina. And if we don't have a winner, if somebody doesn't walk away with the €2,400 today, we'll put another €100 in there and that means tomorrow we'll pay for €2,500, which is a lovely little sum of money, but it could well go today. Okay, so listen out for that with uh, Nick Richards this afternoon and then with Martina O'Donoghue as we play Simon's Celebrity Seas, our way of saying thank you to you for our latest listenership uh, figures. Your chance to win all day long. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks, John Paul McNamara. Talk tomorrow. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.